The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. We are back, bringing you your little sports entertainment. Hopefully, you enjoy you enjoy the sports and the entertainment value that we try to provide for you. The pop culture. Yep, definitely. We gave you aspects of the flip. That's one thing Tony was talking about today. Bringing you a few aspects of the flip so you can go and check out the flip also. That is our it's kind of politics, pop culture, everything under the sun, usually not sports unless something really urgent breaks, and then we kind of put that on the flip. So make sure you check that out, and please continue to check out Dan Davis' the show. I'm Kenneth Davis, and real quick before my my, my guest, my, not my guest, my co Damn, I'm a guest now? My name, my initial is the first one in the damn show's name. It says D and D. No. <laughs> Join us to break down football, Chicago Bears, sideline reporting. You can also hear him on 670 score. Mark Grody's going to join us, and then with the trade deadline commencing today or commence today, we uh we have we're gonna have Barry and Bloom from Forbes senior baseball columnist to join us also. I'm Kenneth Davis, and of course you already heard his voice. His name is D Demonsboro. What's going on, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter at D and Davis Show. It's Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. We're on Facebook.com as well, Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, YouTube, uh, War on Anchor. So that kick you over to Spotify. We're everywhere, man. Download, subscribe, rate, share all the good stuff with the podcast. All right. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis, executive producer of the D and Davis show and D and Davis to flip. Ryan Bukovesky. Follow Ryan on follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan B Ski. And we got a little video going on here. So you're gonna be able to see all these chocolate faces. And Ryan's too. Uh yeah, I got again you got guy Stevens behind the uh, camera. He's on Twitter at pay the guy all right before we jump into some things locally Mm -hmm. uh the mlb came out and said that they will find trevor bauer but there will be they gonna find him yeah they MLB fines him for his his tantrum from espn but there will be no band for him i liked what trevor bauer did because as soon as tito came out there uh he's he basically (laughs) asked him what the f are you you doing? doing And he was Get your ass in there. He was apologetic from the jump. Like, yeah, he was. Once you do something stupid, and then after the game, he was very apologetic. Like for that, what was happening to him, sitting there getting getting blown up, and and then he's getting pulled, and he didn't take it out on anybody but the ball. The worst part to me though was the second baseman flinching like that, and like everyone sees that replay and replay and replay. And when Bauer goes to turn around, that second baseman flinched like a cat hit hit with hot water in the freezing winter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> and that, like, it's nothing worse than getting somebody to, uh, to get you like made you flinch like back in the days when we were short. Yeah. No, you know what? Listen, you 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 can see that he was frustrated. He was just frustrated. He just took the ball and just flung it. Is it professional? No. Is it something that you want to have a professional do? You have younger players watching him. No, you're doing because it's very impressionable, right? Uh, Tito came out. He basically said, "Get your ass in there. Get your ass in the house right now." What are you doing out here showing your ass? Showing your showing showing all of your ass. Get in the house. Is that the best coach's nickname in sports? Tito. Mm, that's a good one. Is Pop okay? Pop's good. What would you rather have, Tito or Pop? Tito. Chucky. Well, I don't know. Tito was just used to play the band. Used to play the guitar back in the Jacksons. I'm thinking the Jacksons. Tito didn't, didn't do nothing. You just there, old fat self. Tito, you mean Toto? <laughs> I don't know. Ah, Tito, that's pretty good. T- yeah, Tito's pretty good. Chucky's a good one. Chucky, Chucky is a good one. Chucky is. A- Chucky might be my favorite, actually. Yeah. Chucky might be my favorite. 
trying to think what other great coaching there has to be something that we're missing i can't think of another we're blanking out on this uh, real quick how many know. coaches have nicknames that's a few it's it's not necessarily common no it's not that's why tito came to mind i was thinking man i'm trying to think of because even like dusty baker at dusty dusty oh dusty uh, you know there's sweet lou crazy yeah, lou sweet lou that's a good one <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, there's sweet lou throwing his hat again and kicking it oh there's lou uh, I don't know. I mean, what was Phil? Phil was the Zen master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was true. Pat Riley, huh? no, he didn't have one. Pop, Steve Kerr don't have anything. Zen master is pretty good. Zen master is pretty good. Uh, Especially when it was playoff time and Zen masters goosing up those referees did, for the next game. Exactly. Did Chuck Daly have anything? You just Chuck. Yeah, I don't think no, so. No, he did. It's a big daddy uh, something. Big Daddy? Yeah. ain't called no grown man Big Daddy. Well, that's what they called him. Coach K, I guess. That's yeah, Coach K. Yeah, that's true. Tito that's might true. be the best in baseball, though. In baseball? Currently. Currently, yeah. I know my grandma always talked about um, he was a Daddy wife's... Rich. Daddy Rich? It was Chuck Daly. I'm not calling no other that's man Daddy. Daddy Rich. <laughs> hey, Daddy Rich. Hey, Daddy Rich. I wonder no. why they did that. No, I am not calling you Daddy, especially in the Detroit I'm not calling you daddy. Uh, no, my grandma used to talk about Casey Stangham. I mean, Casey is his name, but she's always talking about Casey Stangham, and you just call him Casey. Hey, oh, Casey out there again. I'm like, okay, grandma. Oh, uh, <laughs> 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 come out there. You, oh, Casey Stangham. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good question. You know what? Matter of fact, just throw it to Twitter. Everybody out there, I'm going to throw it to the, the, definitely on the podcast, but throw it to Twitter. At D and Davis Show. Name your favorite coach. Nickname. That's a good one right there because I don't know if a lot of people really think about coaches with nicknames, but that's a pretty good one. Yeah. You think Tito's slamming Tito or does he not like Tito? I bet he's sick of it. It's like he's like, after like the third shot, he's like, I can't drink this anymore. Not until I get another ring. Exactly. He already had his chance. Yeah. But you know what? Cleveland's right back in it though. Cleveland is right back in it. They're, are they still, are they right? Uh, how many games are they behind uh, the Twins now? Because they like it's shot getting up. to the point. I think they've gone on a little bit of a cold streak, and yeah. I think the Twins have kind of taken a they near the, ten game lead. They took the, it's they not played, over. They played the White Sox. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get it, let's get it right again. Yeah, uh, bombing away. Good place to play. Down a guaranteed rate. Right now, the tw- uh, the Twins have a two game lead over the over the uh, Indians. One, but yeah, I knew yeah it was it's, it's close. It it's close. close. It is close. The White Sox are third place, seventeen games back. But uh, hey, man, listen, we expect all that. But no, no. But Cleveland's right there. So Tito, man, listen, they might have another shot. How many does he have? Two. He has two with the Red Sox. Yes. Yeah, two of them. He got two of them. Yeah. He got two of them. It possibly could have had a third if that damn rain didn't happen. Well, it wasn't a damn rain. Yeah, that damn rain. Last, <laughs> that was a good rain. <laughs> it was. It was. Last nickname for me, the Wizard of Westwood. Oh, uh, John, John John Wooden. Oh, oh, you said who is that? John Wooden is. Wow, son. I'm too young for that. Call my Tony moment. One of the greatest yeah. college coaches of all time. Even though he had a fabulous. Uh, 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 what's in that booster that was helping take care of him that you really rarely are spoken about. But wow, the Wizard of Westwood, yeah, that has to be a great one. Another thing that jumps out to me today that took place that happened in the NBA, and it's just like, I get it, but it's like, you guys are doubling down. The Portland Trailblazers 
signed CJ McCollum to a hundred million dollar three year extension. So basically, he's locked in for like seven years, I believe. A three year extension? Yeah, but how does he? Or he's five years. I think it's five years. Oh, he's probably just he's mid twenties though, right? Him yeah. and Dame are still pretty young, yeah, right? Kind of, but maybe Dame is like twenty eight. Yeah, Dame's older, and they just gave him fresh money this year, and now you've locked that backcourt in. But even in saying that, we know from what happened this offseason, those contracts can be moved. But uh, yeah, them locking yeah, yeah, in that yeah, yeah. backcourt, who listen, they are great backcourt, but defensively, there's always some limitations with that backcourt. Even though CJ plays terrific defense, that I'm always concerned about. What are your thoughts about them locking him? You forward? know what? I'm not. I'm I'm okay with it because you look at the landscape and maybe Portland's looking towards the future. You see what the landscape is right now. And you're looking towards the future. You don't have these three-headed monsters anymore. You don't have these super teams in a sense. You have your two stars. They are your two stars. They just went to the conference finals. And we don't know who's going to be the next juggernaut, really, in the West. Is it going to be the Clippers? Well, we'll see. I think we is know it going who's going to be the juggernauts in the West. No, 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 no. I'm saying like long-term dynasties. That hasn't been established just okay. yet. So you now have a chance to kind of establish yourself as at least being serious contenders in the West. Yes, you have the Lakers, but LeBron isn't going to be there for a long time. You have Paul, George, and Kawhi. Are they going to probably stay there for the rest of their careers? Probably not. You still have Golden State. You have Steph and Clay when he comes back. You got Utah. You have Utah. So you have, but you have your two young guys, your two superstars who were just in the Western Conference. Superstars? McCollum a superstar? I would say super. I think Dame is. I wouldn't say McCollum. I think he's a Batman and Robin. Yeah, Dame is, no doubt. And he'll drop bars on you too. Um, <laughs> he will. So I'm not saying they hot. I'm just saying he'll okay. drop bars on you. you. Thank you for yeah, yeah, I saying. I ain't, yeah, I ain't saying they hot, hot. You know what I'm saying? But he'll do a drop bars. If it's on not you. hot bars, are you dropping bars? Yeah, you can spit. He can spit. If it's not hot bars, are they bars? They are bars? No, I'm with you. Okay. I, I don't think they're... So you got to have hot bars to be able to say bars. Well, okay, so he's... A, or you got to be rhyme. hot dropping bars. Great point. Great mm. point. Okay. You so may he, not have be great lyrically, but how you say it makes that a hot bar. But if you just dropping lines and that, rhyming them. that ish ain't hot... It's not a hot bar. And I know people say, what if it's just a bar? We know when a person says a bar, it implies that it's hot. Well, I will if say. you're like, man, he got bars. I will say this. It's, it's, Imagine saying that to somebody that's not good. <laughs> man, he's got bars. Got bar, but nah, you got, you got some words, though. <laughs> I mean, he can rhyme. He, he's probably the you best. words rhyme together. He's probably the best NBA or athlete I've heard rhyme before. You didn't like that Kobe Bryant Tyra Banks track? No. Not really. First of all, Can't Stop the Rain by Shaq. But that had Biggie on it. Okay. He can rap better than uh, Shaq. Dame Leonard can rap better than Shaq. Okay. And I'm not, and Shaq can rhyme too. Shaq is not some like slouch on the you, mic. Did you ever hear that uh, Never Release Chris Webber album? No, I did not. I saw the video. He was riding on the back of that motorcycle though. Does J. Cole count since he was college basketball? No. No. Professional. I only mess professionals. professionals. I only mess professionals. Le'Veon Bell. I ain't know. Who's the uh, Who's the short guy on Dallas? The wide receiver. Who? The res- uh, man. I'm blanking. The white guy. Oh. Uh, he can rap. Yeah. You haven't heard him? No. I yeah. You just ain't pulling my chain. No. He he dropped. <laughs> He dropped what? Some bars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is his name escaping me right now? I know exactly who he's. He's kind of like a little sl- a slot. Yeah, guy, yeah. right. Yeah. He's ah. really. He's like same size as Tariq Cohen, basically. 
what is he his always name? catches those third down yeah. passes and what moves is, the chains let me let me look up this roster right with the dallas cowboys who yeah. speaking of dallas cowboys did y'all watch that uh Cole michael Ert? and no zeke oh yeah there well, cole beasley cole that's beasley what, yeah listen to cole beasley yeah okay i i, I listen i give anybody a shot Jerry, i give anybody Jerry, a shot. jerry's paying me money jerry's paying me my money it's kind of not even like it's like dad rapping almost. Oh, a little oh no, bit. no! But no, no, no! I, you gotta listen to it. Okay, I listen. I, listen, I listen to it. I listen to it. But no, I think Dame is probably the best. He's probably the best athlete I think I ever heard rhyme for. Well, you haven't heard Cole Beasley. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think I stand out and still say Dame. <laughs> I think I still say Dame. Real quick, since we're talking about the Cowboys, how yeah. about Zeke not reporting? How big of a deal is that for them? It is big. They what? They wanted uh, NF, uh, the NFC East two years out of the last three. He's been a very integral part of it. Pay that man his money. Everybody knows that he's a moron, but pay that man his money. Pay him. I think their problem, though, is he's you got to pay spot. Zeke and the quarterback and receiver all at the same time. Do you believe more in Dak or Zeke? Even though I know we're talking about the running back position. I don't, Zeke, yeah, I don't Zeke, know if I believe in running backs. But Zeke is nice, though. He is. Zeke is nice. Zeke is arguably the best running be. back in the NBA before NFL. we know for sure that Saquon Barkley can hold up year after year. And Todd. You say what? And Todd Gurley. Because I think no, Gurley's better no, if he holds I love up. Talk. He was. He's hurt. He's not the same. Yeah. He's I got to see it, yeah. though. You did. I, I think so. And they're already telling you they're reducing so. his role. You look at them again, Henderson from him. I'm a Todd Gurley guy. I was saying that. To me, the last two years outside before he got hurt, Todd Gurley was even that year that Le'Veon Pitt played before he sat out last year, I still had Todd Gurley as the best running back. Dude, if you he's not available, and these guys are these guys are bell cow guys now. If he's more of a specialist guy, and I hate doing it, you can't. Like that's why I put Zeke now first because one thing you can say about Zeke, he's been out basically because he's been messing up off the field. But he really hasn't. He been, shows up. Yeah, it has he shows up. Yeah. And if, if Shaquan Barkley and on a bad team shows up again this year and really doesn't really get nicked up, I mean, physically it's ridiculous what that dude has. It come out saying how much he wants. I haven't Always heard that. Always just looking for an extension. I heard sure be the highest paid or close to it. I heard on sports radio a prediction for a contract, thinking that he'd be somewhere between twenty five and thirty mil guaranteed for like another three years. Oh, he ain't got that. He's, sure. not get, he's not getting that for a guy that they could basically keep on control for three years. He has what two more years? I two. think of control. Yeah, I think two, and then they can franchise him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's the biggest thing to franchise tag. That's what throws all this off. Because you could franchise somebody up to it two times, right? Yep. Yeah, two in a row, I believe. Two in a row, right? That's what throws everything out of whack. Well, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I understand the franchise tag if I'm, if I'm, because listen, the Bears should have did that to Cutler instead of giving them all that damn money. And they did it. We said that years ago. No franchise tag. Well, but for somebody, Bill Emery was there. Yeah, I know. True. Very true. But, but for Zeke, man, listen, you hold out. This is what the NFL is. This is the landscape of it. Hold out and get your get your money. Because if he doesn't hold out, he's a mess. He has to hold out now. He got to hold out. Yeah. Because this is one of those make or break years for the Cowboys. Well, what if he gets an ACL problem like Todd Gurley all of a sudden in like his last two years, and then all of a sudden I got paid. That's the problem. I got paid. Todd Gurley got hurt. If Todd Gurley doesn't get hurt, these purse strings are a little bit. They're open more. Teams now go back to see what we told you, running backs. They gave him this fresh cash, and now he doesn't look like he'll be the the same guy for the rest of his career. And we knew coming in that that may be a little bit degenerative on that that knee messed up coming out of Georgia. On a side note, yes, I got to add to athlete rappers. Oh, okay. 
going back to that. Cedric Sabalos. No. Tony Parker. No. Roy Jones Jr. No. Master P. Master P is a rapper that wanted to be a, a athlete. He played. He played for the Raptors. He played for the uh, G <laughs> before it was even a G League. It was the preseason. League. He think I think he was playing for the Raptors. No, I think Master P may get. But I got. I have someone that's clearly off of one song better than Dame Dash. Who is it's Dame Lillard? Dame whatever. Dame Dollar. Dame, yes. I, I don't call them by their nicknames. It's like you don't call him Daddy. <laughs> 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 well, who you got? Deion Sanders. Must be the money. This guy me go. Say so. When that dropped, I ain't gonna lie. When that, that dropped, that was hot. <laughs> that was hot. That was you listening some hot bars yeah, right there. Yeah. Must be because look, he was speaking facts. He's speaking facts. That's yeah. the thing. That's what it was like. He's Dion. He's the best, and he's out here talking about it. Must be the money. Did, oh, it was love. Did this happen in Chicago or did it happen in Atlanta? He played when Carlton Fisk was still playing, I believe. Oh, he was. It was in Chicago. I don't. He came up to the plate and he put a dollar sign next to the plate, and I think it was Fisk because somebody got in his face. Threatened him. Yeah, yeah. Carlton Fisk was like, "Yeah, beat your Jerry Curl." Hey, boy. Deion swung his curl around. See what you want? What you want, old man? No, he said Carlton Fisk threatened him. He said, "I don't know what he said." Back down, Fisk. And then Deion went out there and probably stole like twenty bases that day. (laughs) I mean. Uh, that's a hot song. I will give you that. But no, Deion Sanders is not better rhymer than uh, Dame Dollar. We're going to talk to Mark Grody. We're just doing a little football discussion, but bringing it here locally. What are you looking for trade camp to happen with the Bears? What What are your expectations? What do you place a value on, D? Um, mm, that's a good question. I guess it has to it has to be the development of Trubisky and trying to see exactly where he's going to go. I know we've covered uh, Bears camp three years, and they typically don't want to show, especially the media, what's going on out there. They definitely don't want to show you anything with that. But you want to see you want to see the growth of Trubisky and the offense. I, you're going up against this. This is a good thing about Trubisky. Trubisky in the situation that he's in, he's going up against. Arguably the best defense in the league. Facts. So since you're going up against that, everything else that you see, you should be like, man, I go up against guys and practice is better than you. I'm about to eat off of you. So that's the confidence that I want to see. And also, I mentioned this. I was on Sports Feed this past Sunday with with, uh, Josh Josh Fryman. Thank you. And, um, one point that I did make, I was like, you know what? I Now I want to see Mitchell Trubisky. This is third year. Still a young quarterback. Still learning a very complex, deep uh, offense. I want to see him now make players better. Mm. Because, because before we've seen everything around him kind of like, kind of insulate him and just kind of like, okay, you're the, the, bubble, the kid in the Don't bubble. Don't screw it up. Exactly. You're the kid in the bubble. Don't screw it up. Just get us where we need to go. And that last drive of the playoff game, we finally saw it kind of break out of that bubble and kind of do it, and that feels good, right? Now let me see with these weapons that you have offensively, can I see you make a, make a person better? Or because of the tight end position, Ken, isn't that great? Let me see you make a position better. 
all because of you. That's what makes Aaron Rodgers a GOAT. That's what makes Tom Brady a GOAT. That's what made Brett Favre and all these other guys, Joe Montana. That's what made them great because they put the ball in a position for the players to succeed. I want to see Mitchell Trubisky get to that point. He might not be able to dissect or run the entire playbook. Maybe last year it was 40%. Now it's up to 70%. But now let me see you be that leader on the field and make another person better off of your play. So that's what I see. Every, the whole entire key to the season, in my opinion, is Mitchell Trubisky. Dean Davis show to help us a little later in the show. We're going to have Mark Grody, a Bears sideline reporter. Also, you can hear him on 670 to score. I think with me, I did see that the NFL Network was uh, in training camp with the Bears. And that one uh, on, at one dance they had on Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. And both of them mentioned that Mitch was helping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tariq Cohen said it. I think he did a false start. And he said, Mitch got on me and I accepted and told him I wouldn't do it again. Good. And David Montgomery, I think, mentioned that Mitch is helping him out tremendously as far as making sure that he's in the right place. So we, we definitely see that. We know camp hasn't been a super extraordinary for him. I think the key thing has to be Mitch. Uh, but to just to to, to, to to go oppo from you, mm-hmm. I'm always looking to see this defense interactions or not interactions, how they are ran under Chuck Pagano and then getting micro with that defense. I'm really looking at the linebacker play. I'm looking at that. No, I'm looking at all levels of it. I'm the the the, the ha ha uh, Clinton Dix. I wonder, and, and this is the thing yeah. with that. I know you shouldn't be requiring. Unless, of course, it's an open space issue, but requiring uh, your, your your safety to sit there and, and be your your run stopper all the time. But basically having two free safeties there kind of makes me a little a tadly, a slightly concerned, especially when we hear that Clinton Dix sometimes seems like he has uh, mental farts that, that uh, come upon him. So I'm, I'm interested in that. And the linebackers, I'm interested in the growth, really, of, uh, of, of uh, Roquan Smith and can and Danny Trevathan again have a, a healthy year because yeah. since he's been here, yet last year was the healthiest basically he had been. Uh, having those two guys for the for majority of the season can only be a boon for this defense. And then I'm also looking at Bilal Nichols. I'm looking at a uh, uh, um, Robinson Harris. Uh, I'm looking at those those other guys outside of Akeem Hicks that we're really requiring and Goldman on this line to kind of step up because one those guys are getting single team. Bilal Nichols has already shown that he, being a fifth rounder, he's a fantastic prospect from what we got last year. If some of these other guys can kind of come along, I'll be really interested in that and seeing this defense because I don't believe they're going to get as many interceptions as last year, but they can be better if they don't break it all. Like if, if they're, they're sturdy as you know what. How many how many interceptions? Did Last year, well, more turnovers and interceptions. I mean, it turnovers all, period. Yeah. The Bears, I they mean, had thirty six takeaways. Thirty six takeaways. That's like, a lot. Ooh, that is a lot. That's. I mean, like, well, you know what? But go, that goes. It, it kind of goes to your point about depth. And as long as they say healthy, obviously, right? But they are so deep. They should be able to put in pressure. Think about it like this: Cleo McDaniel didn't have a training camp last year. Nope. Or Allen Robinson. Or Allen Robinson. Right? They didn't have a training camp. They go in, everybody's on the same page. Or and Roquan humming. Smith. Or, or Roquan Smith. If they come in on the same page. Got who I'm, you got that wasn't in camp last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're going to be able to equal the 36, 
But damn, man, I wouldn't be shocked that they wasn't too far off. But of they it. can be better. But the thing is, they may not be, and every team wants turnovers. But if if they don't break like some of the things that we saw that took place against Philadelphia, if they're sturdier. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. I get you that. They're getting three and outs, maybe three and outs, but they're getting yeah. three and outs. And if you're killing that quarterback, exactly. That's my whole thing. That Eddie, pressure. Eddie Jackson is a known commodity now, so teams are at times when they can are going to go away from him if they have the ability to. Teams aren't going to just be like, we don't know who's that dude. No, like, we know him. He's a Pro right. Bowler. Dude was number thirty in the ranked in the players of, of how players valued him in the NFL. That's saying a lot for a second year player. Yeah, that all is all right. A lot. And he made the top one hundred for the Bears, dude. That's saying a hella, 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 hella lot. So looking at them trying, trying to kind of stay away from him being, I, I would think he's got to be your if he's not your second, he's your third. A highest value defensive player that's definitely behind Khalil Mack and then maybe he's tied or ahead of Akeem Hicks I would say as far as the players that are a must need on this team right now Dark Horse might be Roquan in that but not and yet that's what I'm, and look I am salivating at, at, at my mouth thinking about what Roquan Smith can do without a training camp in, in his second year where this isn't fast to him, he's going to be called on to know more as far as setting up the, the the line and the rest of the DBs. I'm looking at, man, he still got Danny Trevathan to lean on inside of him. Dude, that linebacking core is sick. Now just imagine a nice, that nice, those three, and then you got Leonard Floyd who could probably go out there and if he man. stays healthy, just go. Based on what go. they're projecting on some of the things for Leonard Floyd, he could flirt with all pro status. If yeah. everything comes together, yeah, he'd be stealing. That's my and that's my thing. <laughs> he'd be stealing. I mean, because dude, you know that you know where they're leaning. Well, you know what side the line shifted to. Oh yeah. Hey, it don't matter. Hey, go out there and feast, young man. I'm not hating on it. Throw the throw the meat at me. I'm gonna feast C- on you. See Jason Taylor and uh, uh, Prince. Uh, what was what's the name that came in? Prince. Of, um, I'm about to say Prince. Of prince Moore. of Mukamara. No, no, no. Uh, Wale uh, Gouye. Wale oh. Gouye. Yeah, yeah, he's a prince. Yes. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> Comes with our black training guide. <laughs> <laughs> Refer to me as Prince. No, I, th- I, I I agree with you. If they can go out there to get those three and outs consistently, maybe the turnovers won't be that high. But pressure, three and outs, quarterback hits, quarterback sacks. Man, they arguably could be the best. Saying everybody's healthy. They could be the best defense out there. And with that Hopefully, an addition like a ha 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 Clinton Dix, who a lot of Bears fans wanted them to to draft over Fuller, Kyle Fuller. Now you have both of them. He should be able to feast as well. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do this year. And one quick thing about the turnovers too. Part of that was the Bears had such a good plus in their differential. They might not create as many turnovers, but they might not commit as many turnovers. Well, you hope, and so. then that might make it a little bit fluctuated where. You have still enough ter- takeaways that the defense doesn't lose that much. That's why I said, man, my main point for this entire season is the growth of Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not worried about anything. Well, the kicker is a kicker, but hopefully that won't be something that you have to worry about anyway because you shouldn't have to, right? If that defense holds up and the offensive weapons that now Trubisky now has, dude, don't F it up. Don't F it up. And also, too, we talk about this a lot, the simple fact that he's on a rookie deal. Ken has been making this point a lot with Jason Goff. If he's not your dude and he's on a rookie contract, and you can see, like, man, it ain't working. You can get it from up out of it. Don't do it. So 
If he's not that dude this season, although it is a very complex offense, but if hopefully Nagy can see this, if he could tell by midway or three quarters to the season, like, man, I don't know. Get from up under it. No, you got. You have something. You got to do it next year too. No, 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 no. I ain't saying get up on off off like that year, but but put it into your mind. Like, okay, yes. this might not be it because that window is not open very long in the NFL. They have a Super Bowl team right now. The only thing that's a question mark is still Mitchell Trubisky. Man, listen. If I don't have a strong B QB. And I, I would have reservations of giving him a top flight deal. I'm not signing these kids to these long-term deals when I can sit here and sign all these players, give me a rookie, take advantage of his rookie deal. Like you're saying, if next year you got to go into the draft looking at your uh, third-round pick, if you can get into the second round, because what the Bears still don't have. Do they have a second? No, they have two twos. Yeah. They have two twos. Dude, if even using those two twos to try to get into the – To move up. To move up. If you see that there's a quarterback that you can sit a year under Mitch, get familiarity with this system, and that you train up, Eileen, Pat Mahomes. Not saying anybody can be as good physically as Patrick Mahomes. But, dude, you don't lie to yourself about Mitch. Yeah. Just, just like, listen, don't y'all – Rams, I'm telling y'all, Sean McVay, don't you lie to yourself about Jared Goff. You was not there when he got drafted. Do not attach your wagon to that boy for the long haul. You know it's the truth, and you know I'm talking the truth to you. I'm just trying to help you out with your attractive lady on your side. She doesn't want Jared Goff to be there with you long term. <laughs> At least he knows he'll be there right now because exactly. he signed yes. that extension. Yeah, now he ain't going nowhere. He know he gonna be here. Pace ain't going to these coaches. Yeah, they're two great coaches. Yeah, they're two great geniuses when it comes to offense. Basically, there's no way you're getting rid of that coach, and you know right now it seems like they can coach up QBs. All right, we're going to go ahead and continue this football talk with 670 score. And I, you know what I'm saying? He's our guy, too. He's kind of, you know what I'm saying? Every time we want to have some radio uh, questions, we go to this guy, Mark Grody. All right, sideline reporter for Chicago Bears. He's going to hop on with us, talk some more Bears. Dean Davis Show. Hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis show, and right now we're lucky enough to be joined by Chicago Bears sideline reporter, and you can hear him hosting on 670 to score or co-hosting at any times because this man gets the work done. The one and only Mark Grody is joining us. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. How's the D and Davis show going tonight? Going good, man. Grinding. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying our best, Mark. We're trying our best. <laughs> we just want effort is all we need. Okay. There you go. Yeah. But look, I guess jumping in straight to the team, training camp is commencing, has commenced. And some of the things that I want to ask you that, that have piqued your interest with what's going on with the Bears, what kind of differences have you piqued between uh, Chuck Pagano's interaction with the players versus Vic Fangio's? Yeah, the interaction, put very simply, is that Chuck Pagano actually talks. Um, he, he communicates a little bit more interpersonally than Vic Fangio did. And that's not a shot to Vic Fangio. I know that for a fact that the players, the guys that played for Vic Fangio, they loved Vic Fangio. Uh, they loved, you know, they called him the evil genius, and he was an endearing figure, although kind of a, you know, kind of he could be kind of crusty at times and very short and very honest. Chuck Pagano um, is more of a wear your heart on your sleeve kind of guy. He wants to get to know guys a little bit better. You know, he's kind of the the figurative hug type of guy, whereas maybe Vic Fangio was a little bit more tough love. Um, so, and you know that that's the reaction from many of the players. I think that the big part about Chuck Pagano is because 
they took so well to Vic Fangio and Fangio's direction that you needed somebody to come in here immediately who would bring credibility right away. And that's what Chuck Pagano has walking through the door, having been, um, you know, coordinators at, at every level and position coaches and obviously a winning head coach with the Colts. People know who Chuck Pagano is. And I think that that's important for a defense, uh, which is elite and is expected to be the same this year. But yeah, the biggest difference is probably just with how he communicates with the players. Dean Davis right now on the line, we have Mark Grody. I follow him at Mark Grody Sports. Real quick before D jumps in, I want to stick with the defense and kind of still stick with Chuck Pagano. Verbiage-wise, I'm sure there's going to be a slight change with the new play caller, but I thought coming in there wasn't going to be as much change to the verbiage. Now, is there a greater change to the verbiage? And do you just basically have to do this because you're looking at even though one guy has to make a change in Pagano, he still has to know exactly what he's giving out to the player, so it may be easier for him to use some of his old stuff. Yeah, there definitely will be some changes in the language and how he calls the plays. I mean, it has to be some of his touch. I mean, he, he's he's made it clear, Pagano did from day one, that he's not going to, you know, overhaul everything. It's still going to be the base 3-4 defense. He, you know, I, and I keep saying this, too, about Pagano. He's not stupid. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to just you know, try to, to put guys in positions that they're not used to. He's going to review what this defense did last year. It's something worked that Vic Fangio did incredibly well, that he's going to stick with it. Um, he's not going to just try to put his print on this for the sake of putting Chuck Pagano's print on it. He's like past that point in his career where he has to make a name for himself. So I think that that's, that's really important to know that, you know, that it's not about ego for him. He does do things differently. You know, I mean, the, like we said, like you use the word verbiage and, and language and how he calls plays and, and when he calls the plays and who's bringing the plays in and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there, there are some things that the players are going to have to learn differently that, you know, as far as that language is concerned. But he's not completely flipping things and he's going to make things simple and he's going to play to the player's strengths. And again, he, he will have watched every single game if he already hasn't from last year and, and knowing what works and what doesn't work uh, under the Vic Fangio defense. Has Matt Nagy given Chuck Pacano the same autonomy that he gave Vic Fangio? And that, not saying it in a way that it's a knock, but with Matt Nagy's growth and his being a head coach in his second year, has he shown perhaps a little bit more interest to tab it into the defense? Yeah, he says he has that it's the the same deal um, where, yeah, like, you know, Fangio completely ran things. Nagy just stayed away. I would think, though, that this year, while Chuck Pagano definitely has autonomy, it's his defense. You know, Matt Nagy will trust him. Matt Nagy, I think, is going to have his hands on the defense a little bit more this year. And the only reason I say that is because he's more comfortable with the defense and and knows those players a lot. He's so obsessed, obviously, with offense. Offense is what he does. Offense is why he has made it to the level of head coach in the National Football League. And it just seemed like at times last year, he I don't want to say ill-prepared to answer questions about the defense, but he deferred a lot last year this year he's more comfortable when you know every day we get to talk to him and we you know we, we've not talked to Pagano yet in training camp as he's not been made available to us yet but you know all, all of a sudden this year Nagy is much more comfortable in evaluating his defensive players evaluating what they have done uh, but yeah I mean a simple answer to your question is yes the autonomy is is there for Chuck Pagano you know Pagano's earned it in his career and that's the way Matt Nagy likes to do business so far and early in his career 
Mark, what can Bears fans expect from uh, new, newly required Bear, haha, Clinton Dix and his potential in the secondary? Yeah, I think that the the th- the difference between haha, Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos, you know, whom he replaced, mm-hmm. is that haha, Clinton Dix has more of a reputation of being a ball hawk, going for the interceptions. You know, he's that kind of guy. He's more of a risk taker. He plays more like Eddie Jackson, really, in terms of what he'd like to do hasn't had the same success yet as, as Eddie Jackson, but that's more of his style. So I think that's one of the things. And I, th- I know that one of the big goals for a uh, Clinton Dix and what bears fans should pay attention to is let's face it. He did not have a good year last year with green Bay. He was, he had a rough year. He was traded out of there for a, a fourth round pick. You know, he becomes a free agent after this year. So there's a lot of reasons to think that haha Clinton Dix will be very motivated to play extremely well. But if he does play well this year, it's going to be a bounce back year. So, I mean, that's what the people that are worried about haha Clinton Dix and, and the people who might be doubters of him. And, and I haven't heard a whole lot of people. I think that for the most part, this this signing has gone over very well. It's just that he did not have a good year last year. And you want to see that bounce back in him this year. D and Davis show on the line with right now, Chicago Bears sideline reporter Mark Grody. Make sure you follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. Uh, on a, on the defensive side of the ball, as far as camp, who's someone who has really jumped out in, out at you at camp that you didn't expect? You know, one guy that has is the the new Nickelback, the guy that's replacing Bryce Callahan. His name is Buster Screen, um, and Screen has had at least one interception, maybe maybe two. I've seen him deflect a couple of passes, um, and it, it 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 seems like early on anyway, he's been very popular with his teammates, which is a really good sign for a guy to come in. And, you know, he's replacing a guy that was popular in the, in the locker room in Bryce Callahan and the guy who, if there was a, a pro bowl spot for the nickel back, I think Bryce Callahan would have certainly gotten some votes for it. So it's a tough spot. We know how incredibly important the nickel back is in, in this era of the NFL with all the spread offenses and the multiple receiver sets and the, and the constant throwing of the football. So that's a that's a really important part to their team. And so far, Buster Screen has comported himself very well. How about the flip side of it? Anybody out there that maybe kind of looked at you? I mean, you looked at it was like, you know what? He doesn't look the same. Like, what's going on? Um, trying to think if I've noticed anybody struggling out there so far. You know, I mean, Trubisky has been uneven so far. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily shocked about that. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, we're just talking about the defense. Yeah. That offense goes up against an elite defense, so mm-hmm. it's pretty tricky when you're still developing as a quarterback and developing an, as an offense, and then every day you got to go up against this ferocious Bears defense. Um, you know, the expectation is that Mitchell Trubisky will go to that 200 level course, as as Matt Nagy always likes to say. So I'm expecting to see a little bit more consistency still um, out of the Bears' starting quarterback. You know, other than that, there's really nobody else that jumps off the page that I've seen, you know, struggling or, you know, trying to find a, 
trying to find his footing out there. So far, so good in that regard. Mark, I, something just popped into my head. L- looking at the fact, and you mentioned that, that this offense has to go up against this defense. How much of the offense throughout the season do they reveal to the defense? Because I know it helps for the players to have to get that action with running backs and receivers going in front of them from the line and the linebackers are having to focus their eyes and so on and so forth. But with players changing teams as often, do, does an offense unfurl the entire defense the entire play set in front of the defense because you never know when one of those players can end up on another team. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I think that they take their chances with that. I, I will say this, that, you know, in terms of how much they have revealed so far, not a whole lot. And that that's only because of us. And when I say us, I mean the media, we get to watch every single thing that they do out there on the field. We can't, you know, tweet about everything and report everything that they do out there at certain times. Um, but you know, they, uh, they, they, they certainly are not going to show us everything they're doing once the season starts and they get into their private practices and we're not watching every little thing they do. Yeah. I think that they, they will, um, you know, they will show the defense everything they do and take their chances. I, I was, I was, have wondered that in the past too, not just for players that go to other teams, but you never know if you're going to get a rogue player mm-hmm. that even during the season might tip off another team. I mean, that, that'd be really criminal if that was to happen, <laughs> but you know, Matt Nagy puts in all these trick plays and all these things. It would sure suck if one of the players, you know, was to like tip off the team. Hey, you got, you know, big guy running for the defense, you know, something like that. But it, it seems it seems like they'll take their chances with that. And then along with some of the lines that D was kind of saying, but I don't even want to go with the starters. Positional depth wise, give us backup players who are perhaps going to uh, garner a lot more snaps. On the, are you talking about on the offensive Both side? Both sides or? of the ball. Like what, what guys, they're just, and I know it's early, but even how they're being used, if it seems like they're getting a little bit more action than you expected, what players that are backup players are, do you think are going to end up getting more more snaps this season and perform, outperform the, the regularity of snaps they had last year? If they were yeah, well, the I'll, say, I'll say on, on offense, um, one guy that might get more play this year or a play period would be – a second-year player, Javon Wims, a wide receiver who was drafted out of Georgia last year. He performed really well in the preseason last year um, and then played. I think he was active for one, maybe two games, I want to say. And whenever he was there, he, he played really well. So, And so far, he's looked excellent in preseason. So I do wonder if you know Javon Wims will get some some more playing time or some real playing time at that receiver spot. They do have a new running back in Mike Davis. We'll see what what kind of part he plays um, in this offense. One of the guys on defense who I'll single out in that regard, a guy who did get some starts, but you know was more you know a slower start in terms of how much they used him, was Bilal Nichols, who is a, a fifth round um, draft pick from last year. So in his second year, he made a big impact last year with Vic Fangio and that defense. So I got to believe that he's going to see um, a lot more action this year than he did last year um, from that perspective. 
Um, another guy too, that I think you may see more of, or, or co- a couple of guys, um, Kevin Tolliver, who's a, another second year guy. He was an undrafted guy out of LSU last year. And we saw some of him. I do wonder if he'll get, um, more chances in, in the multiple cornerback types of sets. Um, and then a rookie in Duke Shelley, another guy who is expected to play on the inside defensively. He's a cornerback, but best suited as again, for that, for an extra cornerback for a, you know, as a, uh, as a nickelback type of guy. So, um, we'll see how much he gets, but yeah, the, the, the depth is interesting. Cause you know, there's always the injury factor, but the starters are, are the guys that are going to get the ball to the time. D and Davis show on the line right now. Chicago Bears sideline reporter Mark Grody. Also, due to his versatility, you can hear him co-hosting or hosting on the score at any time. I'm sure at a moment's notice. Mark, get down here. We need you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the I'm the guy that lives close to the radio station. So they're like, hey, Grody, we got a rain delay. Can you come in and talk for 30 minutes? Sure. What the hell? What am I doing? You know? And Grody, you do well when you do it. But this is my last one as far as depth. Uh, the, the players that were drafted this season, which ones are, are definitely, and I'm sure that, of course, the highest players, you look at Montgomery and probably Riley, uh, Riley Ridley, uh, which ones are going to make the team, which ones are going to fall onto the practice squad, and which ones, unfortunately, may end up getting cut? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right about the the higher picture. Obviously, David Montgomery is going to make the team. I'd be shocked if Riley, you know, Riley really has been injured, so that's been very disappointing. He's got a hamstring injury. Haven't seen him go yet. Uh, but I, you know, I'd be shocked if, if he didn't make the team. And then the guy I just mentioned, I think Duke Shelley, uh, is another shoe in to make the roster. He's a cornerback, the, the nickelback I was just talking about. It's the, it's those, I guess there's really only one guy that I'm worried about. Um, and that's Steven Denmark. Mm. Steven Denmark is the converted corner wide receiver out of Valdosta state. He has got incredible size. He's a cornerback converted to cornerback. I should point that out. Six, four, two twenty, legitimate height and size. Um, but you know, he's more of an experience, you know, a project type of player. So I could see him landing on the practice squad. Um, so, but I think he's going to be fighting for that. The, the other seventh rounder is Kareth white jr. He's a running back. He's got crazy speed. I think he's, you know, I, I think Kareth White might be one of the fastest guys on the Bears. He's probably going to have to make the team at this point as a special teams guy. But I think that because of his speed, and, and he is, he does have value as a running back as well. But obviously, there's three guys ahead of him right now. Um, so I, I, I think, I think Kareth White is fine to make the roster. I guess Stephen Denmark is the only guy out of the 2019 draft class that I would worry about in terms of making the team. I'm slightly worried about him too. That 4.38 fascinates me and I would love to see Matt Nagy do something with it, but they're, there's a, they're loaded at running back. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got all the tools. I mean, I was fascinated by the, by that pick and the fact that he's a, you know, converted guy who's extremely like a lot of times, like if you convert a guy from offense to defense, especially wide receiver, they're going to, they're going to go out, you know, kicking and screaming over that. But, He's got a great attitude. He's like totally cool with playing corner or playing safety. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's one of those classic cases of it's, it's a perfect mold of a player. Like just, I mean, like you don't see, I mean, he, he, they would probably, if, if he made the team as a cornerback that he'd probably be the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest cornerback in the national football league. I mean, most cornerbacks, a, a tall cornerback is like Charles Tillman, like six, two, mm-hmm. Um, this guy is a legitimate six, four. So yeah, I mean, I'm hope I'm open for him because he's, he's extremely intriguing. I just think he needs a lot of polish. 
Mark, one guy, one guy that a lot of Bears fans hope is going to have a, you want to say rebound seasons coming off an injury is Cal Long. How has he looked out there? He's looked great. Yeah, we talked about him today, as a matter of fact. And Matt Nagy, who obviously has only been around him for a year and change, said that the people that he's talked to, his guys that have been around Kyle Long are saying that it, it, he looks the best he's ever looked. Um, yeah, it's all about health for Kyle Long. He, you know, he was on IR again last year uh, with a foot injury. I think it was after the Jets game. So he spent a good chunk of the year on IR. This was the first offseason, though, in a long time where Kyle Long was completely free of injury, didn't have to worry about any kind of surgery. You know, he he comes into to camp looking great. Um, and it, you know, <laughs> knock on wood. It, it looks like from everybody that I've talked to that they feel like he could return to his Pro Bowl form um, at that right guard position this year. So, you know, thumbs up so far for Kyle Long, but the key is with him is keep him healthy. Now, you mentioned uh, David Montgomery and Mike Davis earlier. What kind of impact do you think that's going to do or have on the touches for Tariq Cohen? Do you think we want to see a drop in the touch for Tariq Cohen? Maybe it, it, maybe he's really going to be that specialist guy. What do you think or what do you uh, see the uh, the input from Tariq Cohen on this upcoming I, season? I think I think the Bears hope would be to to cut down on the amount of carries out of the backfield that Tariq Cohen gets. I mean, he's still going to line up back there. He's still going to get his fair share of carries, but. I don't think that they want to have to devote big, um, you know, numbers of carries to to recone out of that backfield, especially certain types of runs. I mean, we've seen so many times where, you know, Cohen is elusive as he is and as amazing as he can be. And sometimes he does escape. There are times when he's the guy that loses two or three yards just because of his size. And then injury is always a concern, too, if you overuse that guy as a pure running back. So I think I think their goal would be to cut back on that. David Montgomery, get the bulk of the carries um, and, you know, Mike Davis spelling him as well. In terms of who's going to get the most overall touches, I mean, I would imagine it's still going to be Tariq Cohen in, in general with, you know, combining running with the passing. I mean, he is just such a, a terrific weapon and you can use him as a gadget player. You can use him in so many different ways. And the other part, too, is I think David Montgomery is going to be really good, but he is a rookie. He's still learning. Mm-hmm. He's got a ways to go. So I don't know if he comes right out of the shoot just blasting away like he did in college. So I think it's going to take some time, but I think that, you know, hopefully David Montgomery is a guy that becomes hybrid and all purpose, just like uh, Tariq Cohen is. And, you know, the, the running is is probably better by David Montgomery than Tariq Cohen in terms of just being a pure running running back. Now, I heard that there was a, a doink of the uprights uh, today in camp. Uh, what is it like covering a team where the kicker is like this? like just watched by not just the media, the fans of everybody out there. And do you like the way Nagy has been working the kickers out in camp? Yeah, I do like the way he's been doing it because he's been, for people who don't know, he's been alternating the kickers, giving, you know, Elliot Fry a day, giving yeah. Eddie Pinheiro a day, just just going back and forth with the kickers just so that they know mentally this is their day and maybe that puts a little bit more pressure on them. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. And I'll tell you, I think that the most interesting thing is watching the crowd's reaction because, you know, I was, uh, this is my second year in Bourbon A. Last year when it was kicking time, it was just kind of like boring, boring yeah, time. Downtime. You know, everybody, 
Every yeah, downtime. Everybody looked at their phones and okay, all right, let's get okay, let's do the real players are back on. Now, when the kickers come out, the crowd is just totally into it. To me, I compared it to like a golf shot crowd. Like the guy, the guy takes you know everybody's being very respectful. The the shot is up if it's good. There's that 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 roar that you hear in the galleries at in a golf tournament. If if he doesn't make it, then it's kind of like there's not booze. It's kind of like they're just they're really they're really upset for the person, just like golf fans are. So it's been it's been quite a spectacle watching. I mean, really, even since the OTAs when there were no fans and they had seven kickers. Uh, but it's interesting. And I have to say that, yeah, there was a there was a double doink for um, was it man? I don't want to get the wrong guy. I think I think it was Pinheiro. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, so they, yeah, that's a, that's a very jarring sound. However, Elliot Fry and Eddie Pinheiro have both been really good. They've comported themselves. Well, they've been great with the media. They've made the majority of their kicks. They've both hit long ones. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell who's winning the race right now, but I, I, I got to give credit to the bears. It seems like, it seems like they've pared it down to the right two guys out of that boatload of kickers they had earlier in the OTAs. Mark, if if you had to answer this, if they keep Panero and Fry, whichever one does went out, is there still a chance that after roster cuts at the end of training camp that they bring in another guy that has played more in the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ryan Pace said that indicator that he'll be scouring the waiver wires and, and he has not backed off of that. Um, neither has Matt Nagy. Um, I think that before training camp started, it felt like almost like 90% that they would go and get somebody from the outside to ultimately be the kicker. I think that number has gone down though, just because of these guys, just like I said, that they've comported themselves well and both have looked very good. I think that there, there's a better chance now that one of these two guys could make the roster. However, and I, I mean, I, I will go back to it. Neither of these guys, neither Eddie Pinheiro nor Elliot Fry has ever kicked a ball in a regular season NFL game, not once, you know, Pinheiro was three for three in a preseason game before he got injured. Fry played professionally air quotes in the AAF. So, you know, neither has that experience. And I do think that that has some meaning because you just can't mess around based on what this team is expected to do this year. And based on what happened uh, last year. Yeah. We don't count the AFF. Dean Davis on the line with Mark Grody. Follow him at Mark Grody Sports. Let me get you out of here with this. Where's your hot eating spots down in Bourbonnet? Where's your go-to? When I hit Bourbonnet, I know I'm going here to get me something tasty. (laughs) Well, um, there is – let's see. I'll just give you the rundown of where I've been. How about that? Because, you know, it's only my second year, so I wouldn't say I have, like, a spot yet. Uh, But – Okay, so one night, the fir- was it the first night? Yeah, it was the first night. We went to, I went to a uh, a Japanese steakhouse. Mm. Um, what do you call those places where they they cook in front of you? In front like a of hibachi you? grill kind of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the hibachi grill at the mall in Bourbon A. So, <laughs> yeah, you living it up there, Mark? <laughs> oh man, dude, this is this is glamorous stuff. <laughs> They put on a great show, though, man. They played the hits. They did the fun onion stuff. And, you know, the fried rice was just delectable. Um, so I went there with a big crew of guys. 
Um, and then the next night, you guys are going to love this. Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm, yes. Exotic. Buff- but, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we were just looking for a place to watch the Cubs game. So went went to Buffalo Wild Wings, ate wings. Um, it was delicious. It was perfect. It was these are things I would never do in Chicago. You know what I mean? Um, and then the last one, this this might be the best of the bunch. You guys are going to shake your head now. Uh, Little Caesars Pizza. Again. <laughs> You're slumming, Grody. You're out there slumming hard. You ain't in college. You're on college campus, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. I, I mean, hey, come on. I'm staying in the dorms. I got I to gotta live like I'm in the dorms. So, so yeah. So, that that's what I, that's my... Uh, that's my three for three. If anybody that you know is listening to your podcast, if anybody has any suggestions in the greater Bourbonnais, Kankakee area, a place that I need to go, by all means, tweet me with that information. And I promise you, I will go. What'd you get at Little Caesars? What did I get? I got a, uh, I got a large, because um, so, they only have large. That's all they have. I got a large sausage and mushroom, and then I got the, uh, I got some buffalo style chicken wings to go with it. Okay, that's not bad. I, I feel that one, Grody. You definitely have a great evening. We appreciate you for joining us. Thanks, Grody. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. All right, that was Mark Grody, uh, Chicago Bears sideline reporter. Uh, definitely hear him on WBBM. Make sure you follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports. I just want to say, what was the name of the place that we had went to? Was it like Firehouse or uh, Fire or something? I think it may have been. I just remember how mean uh, Sydney was to that lady that was flirting with him. <laughs> I know you so well. No, you don't. You do not know me. <laughs> Madam, I was like, damn, Sydney, <laughs> remove yourself from my presence. I was like, whoa. All right, after this, hey, you know what? Let's go a little up for grabs with Ryan Bukovsky, all right? Dean Davis Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS2 Chicago. You're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Dean Davis Show. All right, you know what time it is. It's time to go up for grabs with one Mr. Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan, what you got for us? Eddie, when you're on the sideline yesterday watching Elliot do well, I know you've said yeah. uh, you want to make every kick. For sure. But do you know, all right, game's on, pressure's on oh, yeah. for today. And what's Definitely. that like even last night, you know, going to bed? Yeah, I felt it. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you feel it. I mean, you know you got to come out and try to do better than the next guy. The goal is being better than the next guy. And that's why, like I said, he said 60 yesterday. All right, I'm going 63. I'm not going 60. So, Well, let's start off in the world of football. And Bears camp is underway. And the big headlines so far in camp have been Elliot Fry and Eddie Pinheiro, at least until game action gets started next Thursday against the Panthers. So far, it's been a very competitive kicking battle in camp with the guys alternating practices rather than alternating reps within a practice. So with this sort of, I guess, unconventional way of doing things, if you will, does any of the success in the camp between either kicker give you a little bit more hope about the Bears kicking situation or not at all? Slight amount, but they're not out there in the league and you know after talking to Mark Grody you got one guy that was in minor league a defunct football league it's called a minor league yeah dude it's the minor league wow if they if they hoped it was the minor leagues uh shout out to Steve Spurrier for winning the uh, championship even though the league by default yeah thank you <laughs> I didn't even know that yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that he made a championship it folded ring. before uh the playoffs he got a championship ring he may got it made just to troll people about it it came out. Oh, ball coach got it rain. Look at that right there. I'm dazzling on y'all fools. Gator, Gator. AFFF. <laughs> <laughs> and then another guy. I think they were the Apollos. Who had a, a cup of coffee in uh, the preseason. Um, it's a lot to be desired. I mean, I'm happy for the. I'm actually happy for those two guys getting a chance. But f- for us being Bears fans, 
I'm interested in seeing who gets cut. I'm worried. This is my biggest worry. They actually go ahead and don't keep them and then bring in a vet. But the reason the vet was let go is because he's unraveling. He continues to unravel. And then one of them lands on the team and has a successful year. I mean, it's, it's very possible it comes to the kitchen, to the kicker. Uh, I don't care about any of this spring training, training camp, summer camp, whatever camp it is when it comes to kickers. Nothing's happening to you. It's not real football. It's not. And it's nice and it's hot outside. That ain't December, January in Chicago. Last thing I've last thing I've seen, it's not a dome over Soldier Field. I mean, a damn thing. So you can get some high school kickers out there to kick some balls. You can get some soccer players out there to kick some balls. It don't mean anything. It, I, until I see live game action, and then the next step is let me see you when it comes about November. It's Soldier Field when that wind starts to kick up, and then you got to figure. Well, the wind's kind of crazy within Soldier Field anyway, right? Because yeah, it swirls. Yeah, it swirls the way it's, way it's made, right? But let me see you when it get cold, and let me see you when that wind starts to go. Then we'll see from that. But as of right now, man, them dudes are just out there having fun. I mean, for me, I felt the exact same way you did, D, going into camp, and. No matter what, I'll say this. It's got to be within the regular season before we learn anything about the kickers because it doesn't matter what they do in practice. But I will say this. I'm a lot more optimistic than I was heading into training camp between mm. these two kickers. I think that they've – I think they're probably the best two of the bunch, like Mark Grody said, of the camp competition that they've had since OTA is going all the way down. I like how they sound when you hear them talk, mm -hmm. for whatever that's worth. Eddie Pinero is a very confident guy. Mm -hmm. He's got some moxie, which I kind of like about him. And he's, he's a, a gamer. That, he's the one they gave a pick for, right? Yeah, uh, conditional pick. Conditional pick, He has right? to make the team, I believe, okay. and do a certain amount. Yeah, okay. Okay. Parents both um, got into the country, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, illegally, and worked their asses off, taught him work ethic, and he adds that. He says that's a, a large reason why he's there in the first place. And he's got a big leg. He hit the 63-yarder in kind of a challenge to Elliot Fry, who hit the 60-yarder the day before. And, Ken, I heard uh, what you said earlier throughout some sports talk. I think it's a really great point. Bringing in a veteran after the final cuts, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to solve your answer or your, the question that you have. Because obviously, kickers are almost like bullpen arms. They can be great and that just a change of scenario and it just works for whatever reason. But you would think if a team is getting rid of a veteran kicker, unless they have just some other great obvious guy, that guy probably stinks that they're getting rid of. So My, my last point. This is my thing. It seems like Panero may actually win it from just. And I, I think they want him to. But this is the thing. Now, Panero is the lay guy. Fry is the accuracy guy, I think. Correct? I believe that's how it gets. That's how they've been kind of taught. But in terms of what they've done in camp, they're about equal. Okay. I know you. It, it, it sounds sexy. Lay guy, lay guy, lay guy, lay guy. But even Seabass could be off at times, and mm -hmm. we know how great his leg was. Mm -hmm. and, and remember, when we first got here, because he was just a guy off the street, when Robbie Gold first got here, the thing was he didn't have distance. He was no, just he did. Accurate. He's accurate as right. hell. But then we we put he he again he had that off year. But outside of that, usually even from distance, Robbie Gold was knocking down when he, he's trained his leg up mm -hmm. and was knocking down uh, field goals. So in a in a way, because the leg can be strengthened to a certain degree. No one's saying that Fry's leg is just weak. They're just saying it's not the the, the thump that you hear. I was reading an article today talking about the thump off of Panero's foot. It's not that. They say it sounds like it's coming off a jug machine. 
So I, that's my only quasi mental debate that I go over. And it's, it's sad that I have to do this when it comes to kicking because, damn it, stupid ass. Um, <laughs> I know, Cody Park. Thank you, Cody But you Parkin. know what? He, you see, I, I blanked out on his I, name. I've, I blanked out it so many times. I just forced myself to remember because I need to. But with the with the NFL moving the kicker, uh, the extra, extra uh, field goal, or extra point field goal back, and I think what now they moved it up on kickoff. It's really changed the dynamic of the kicking position. Oh yeah, and it's not an automatic anymore for the uh, for offense to get that get extra point out that touchdown or or field goal. It's not it's not automatic. You can't it kick should an extra be. Point, you need to go situate. No no no. I no I I I just think it's not as easy as it once was because even based on the percentage. The automatic, I mean, just to go out there and kick a field goal, an extra point, it, it dropped. So you're looking at the at the field goal position as you need to have a, a damn good kicker nowadays. You just can't have anybody. You have to really invest and think about who you have in that position. I don't know if a lot of people like that, but I think it's just kind of the way it is right now. Yeah, and I think kickers are like quarterbacks, more accurate, better than velo, because mm. you want that accuracy. Yeah. Jose Abreu is so old school out there with a mouthful of tobacco and <laughs> helmet just subdued basically in that pine tar pine tar like goodness gracious please continue new jets running back Le'Veon bell issued an apology to fantasy football owners telling them hey he's sorry for anyone who picked him last year but adding that this year is going to be way different He's also promising to bring the trophies. Bell set out last season over a contract dispute with the Steelers, but before that, he was one of the most productive fantasy players in the NFL. After inking a four-year, $52.5 million contract with the Jets this year, you can expect him to be a big piece of the team's offense. Now we'll see if fantasy owners hold any grudges on that one. Let's move still to the NFL, but outside of Bears camp. And with all the other camps well underway, we have our first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game this Thursday between the Falcons and the Broncos. So question for you guys, what are some of the storylines that you've heard around other camps that has most intrigued you or that you are keeping an eye on? Mm, probably I, the holdouts. Yeah, I was going to say holdouts, bro. For me, yeah. I mean, with I think Mike Thomas, we've already heard, it seems like, that the Saints have offered Mike Thomas the highest paid contract for a receiver. He just wants more. And on top of that, he doesn't know what Julio's going to get. So he, it, 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 it's beneficial to him to wait a little bit longer because even if he doesn't top Julio, he can get closer to it than settling right now. And for other receivers, he helps set the market and boost the market. Um, looking at, I feel sorry for Melvin Gordon. I've always been a fan of Melvin Gordon, but I get what the Chargers are doing because Melvin Gordon ha- is a phenomenal talent, but it's kind of he's still not a top. He's not on the first list. He would be on the second list of the running backs. Now we never mentioned him as you just mentioned: Ty Gurley, uh, uh, right. Saquon Barkley, right. Ezekiel Elliott. If Le'Veon anything, Bell. he's a guy on the rise at best. Yeah, Le'Veon, yeah. and he's been, but he's been in the league as long as Zeke, and so like. And then last year, and I hate to say that, the four games he were out, they, they basically played well during those games. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel sorry for him. I think Zeke's going to get his money. We saw uh, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, was he was capping. <laughs> he was capping. He was like, we don't even use running backs. It's not It's not five, ten years ago. We don't even use running backs like that. Yeah. It's not Emmitt. What, whatever. It's not Emmitt. So, uh, it's like, just your team. But I think Zeke is going to get his money. 
So because and I think they he, need him. He did it at the right time because if he didn't do it this year, he was gonna look again franchise tag. Like he he like whoever his age. He still get franchise tag though. No no no. What I'm saying is he had to hold out this year oh, to get okay. the contract. Get the contract. Because if he got closer to where he was gonna get, they're gonna be like, dude, we can franchise tag you. No, we're not doing it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag you twice. You're gonna get two large paydays, and then you're gonna be halfway used up, and I'm just gonna bring somebody else up in here. So I, I'm happy that Zeke definitely uh, has done what he needs to do, but. I I think right now the only thing you could, and injuries you look at AJ Green say he's going today he's going to miss games during the season. I feel sorry for him being stranded in Cincinnati. A guy that if he like sometimes you forget he came into the league with Galvatron, well Megatron rather. No. Uh, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Like he's never had he's had a decent uh, quarterback, never the top tier phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, the best is what Carson Palmer. And but that was think yeah. about it. That wasn't even the same. That was like a year. And that wasn't the same Palmer before the knee injury. Knee injury. Yeah. Like, forget, before the knee injury, he had the arm of God. Deep, it was nobody in the league throwing a prettier, deeper, deep ball than Carson Palmer when he had TJ Humazada and also, uh, um, what's it? Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco on the other side. So, outside of that, he's had the Red Rocket and Andy Dalton, and then he's been playing on a, a messed up franchise. It would have been nice to see him, even if it's later on in his career, to be on a get a fantastic quarterback. I know it'll never happen. I would love to see him with a Tom Brady on what he could do. It'd be similar to Tom Brady and uh, Randy Moss back together again. But I think right now, that's probably my chief concern. Those those players holding out in AJ Green's injury. Uh, no, I would stick to holdouts as well. Uh, is Ezekiel Elliott, hold out, get your money. Actually, listen, I'm a player's guy. In the NFL world, use you up and spit you out. If you think you need to uh, hold out, hold out. Also, too, uh, Jalen Ramsey? Ramsey, is that the one where he showed up with a Brinks truck? Yep. Yeah, but his pop, I think that was his pops out there, and it was nobody really out there, and it was his pops was, he was talking. He was talking mad stuff, but you know what? I like that. I like it. You know what? I love the NFL, man. Listen, I want the NFL to be able to have more personalities and just go over the top because it's kind of like this crate. You got to be a little insane to play professional football. Facts. A little bit. You got to be crazy. Let these dudes just be that. And it's one of the greatest things about the NBA is the offseason. Now, this is the offseason's training camp, but you kind of see these personalities. This is one thing, man. We want to be entertained. A lot of people might not like that. A lot of people might like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing that. That's so Bush League, whatever you want to say. I like that. I just like the simple fact that with the craziness that you have to have in your head, in a good way, to pull off something like that. I just, I just find it entertaining. My only issue with that is two things, and one of them is not that big, but he was on what, like the Adam Schefter podcast talking about how he matured and he wasn't going to pull any antics. This year, he oh said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, Hold my beer right quick, Adam. And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, to me, if he's going to do that, I need him to go in the Antonio Brown um, uh, uh, hot air balloon. He arrived in a hot air balloon. Uh, what's his name? What's what's the name? He used to Tariq Cohen had the best one though. What's what's the name? He used to play uh, uh, Wayne. He used to play for Indianapolis Colts. Reggie Wayne. Yeah, Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne used to do fantastic stuff back then. I need him to go. And then I need him to make sure he has an audience. Like, I need him to pull up closer to the team. Like, he pulled up like two blocks away, and it was just like three reporters there. <laughs> it's like, you got to, if you're going to set the stage, but you going to do it, do it right? It was like, it was like the, it was the last president's inauguration, or the current president's inauguration, where it's like, yeah, I guess there's that many people that you said. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, uh, some breaking news. Trevor Bauer, who we talked about, he has been reportedly dealt to uh, the Reds. 
and the Damn. Padres are also involved in the trade. I That's s- not a bad trade because the Reds actually, I mean, they're not I probably going to the playoffs, but yeah. I mean, they might have a shot at the wild card. Yeah, they will. Looking at uh, Castillo and Sonny Gray and him being a, form- a formidable three. Moving ahead, that's 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 pretty good. That's this you know central is crazy. Maybe it should be some more plays to throw the ball over the. Uh, you know how strong you gotta be to do that though. That's why I was thinking too. He did that because I'm out of this beat. Man, you know how strong you gotta be to throw a ball to over center field with ease. But you know the worst part is being trapped in Ohio. Oh yeah, like my man can't get out of Ohio, and he went to the worst city. Yeah, the Queen City. Come on, now. he's been going down in Ohio. No, you rather be in Cleveland than the Queen City. Believe that. You well, you're, close, you're closer to Nashville. That's closer big. to that's Nashville. What, that's what's bank I'm banking on. <laughs> hey, listen, when well, you're in Cleveland, where are you close to? If okay. you're in Cleveland, what are you close to? The East Coast. We was just talking about that with. Uh, oh, I got Sean is moving out to Cleveland. Yeah, the Cleveland. East Coast. What did you rather be close to, the East Coast or Nashville? While we doing a slant. <laughs> I know, brother, oh, brother, let's see, let's my see, my brother. And also, <laughs> you five, you five in, hours. You chocolate uh, as hell, and you living in Cincinnati with their history. Oh, I'm not saying I'm going down okay. there. I'm talking about him. Okay, he probably live a better life than me down there. Oh, he gonna live a much better life. I do like they uh, spaghetti though. Oh, Skyline Chili. Mm. I mean, chili. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati Chili. I'm sorry, but that's mm. the point. They put spaghetti in their chili. I love it. Mm. I love it. Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer both have been public in the last week expressing their dissatisfaction with the team's performance. What is one way to shake it up to bring in some new blood? Now, I know one guy they like. He's currently on the injured list. David Peralta from the Diamondbacks. Let's stick with the NL Central then for our third up for grabs. The trade deadline is about to pass on Wednesday the 31st, being the final day for teams to improve their roster for the postseason and stretch run to qualify for the playoffs. With that in mind, if you could choose one area of the Cubs to fix with a trade, what area would that be? Oh, a bullpen. I mean, they already kind of made a minor move uh, for a right-hand reliever coming out of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, and was... they also added Derek Holland. Okay, so no, they yeah, they need bullpen help because uh spoke about this too. Listen, bullpens, you never know what you're going to get season to season, let alone probably series to series, right? If you can go in and you can sure that up, because you don't want to have what's been happening the last two series with the Giants and who did just get finished Milwaukee leading in all those games or leading the majority of those games in your in your in your bullpen blows it or something weird just happens right you have to be able to lock that down so they need bullpen help I think they're going to make the playoffs I don't know if it's going to be a wild card or they're going to win the division you have to be especially if you go to a wild card game what happened in these past couple of series that can't happen in a wild card game that's it you're gonna be at home with everybody else so you they have they have to have bullpen help everything else you just try to make sure that it's still there starter pitching is fine you try to see if you darvish can keep going doing what he's doing hendrix is doing what he's doing uh you know lester is is lester so your start is fine your bats you want to have a little bit more consistency with yeah but bullpen help. Bullpen, bullpen, bullpen for the side for the cups. I have to go with bullpen also. Uh you can't you, one, I'm not even sure for sure you can just be sick modified and say you can depend on Kimbrell. So you need somebody in that bullpen just in case he gets into a a, a little time yeah. spent where he's not necking, knocking down and holding everything down. I'm not saying someone to take his job, but maybe just someone that can a good bridge to him. Exactly, say handle more of the burden mm-hmm. so that it's easier for him for a guy that didn't have any spring training. Forget spring training, hasn't played for majority of this season. I would, if they could, like to see them add a little, just another bat. 
I mean, I know you look because looking at uh, Ian Happ being here and then looking at Zobers being here. I mean, to, th- to think that both of them will be decent is saying a lot. So then you're kind of sitting there and you're hedging your bet with another guy just in case, just for that offense or whatever. But now that they have those two up and trying to figure out what they're doing, uh, I think it's it's less of a need for a bat. But I stood, I wouldn't mind it with with the Mad Mixer and Joe Madden, the Wizard, uh, having something else he can he can tinker with and, and add to this lineup depending on matchup. I would say bullpen is probably number one, too, but I'll give a little bit different answer because maybe there's those bullpen arms aren't available based on what you have to trade for. And I'm looking at the outfield, especially with the lack of defense you get from Schwarber and he's not really getting on base. He's slugging, but he's not getting on base. He's not hitting for average. Almora, we know, isn't doing anything at the plate. Hayward's your really only good outfielder at the plate right now, and he's been solid he's not some slugger he's having his best year yeah he's, he's having his best cubs year but it's not yeah. some perennial right, all-star right. mvp and if you don't have the type of pitchers to blow people away with velocity you're gonna have to play a lot of defense so they're either gonna have to play a lot of defense do they have those defenders in the outfield and then do you have enough offense i think hitter you could put up there as just as much especially an outfielder David Peralta, I think, would look the best in a Cubs uniform if they can get any type of hitter because I don't think Whit Merrifield is going to be available from for what you give the Royal. Him. Exactly. Nah. So if you could get Peralta and maybe you can put him at the top of your lineup and give you enough combo of offense and defense, that might be a way to somewhat solidify the team. Who are you sending away, though? Well, I think with Arizona, it just depends what they're looking for. It, maybe you can give a combination because I don't know what Peralta's deal is. If he's an expiring contract, maybe an Ian Happ, maybe something like that would work where you're getting a young, controllable outfielder for five years, even though he's not been great, but you're not going to have Peralta around for longer. But then again, it depends on his contract situation. Man, I I, I I hate to say this, man, but that window is closing. It is, but all it takes is one run in the playoffs. Yeah, you just want that once. Yeah, yeah, you that's want that all one. you want. Yeah. Texas is them to do something outrageous. It's a couple coming off since off season. Ready to play America's favorite game. Let's make a deal. Last question for you guys, and it's sticking with baseball. And the trade deadline is a big part of the baseball season, where a lot of teams obviously try to improve themselves for that stretch run. So. Do you have any favorite past MLB trade trade deadline moments? Ooh. Oh man. Randy Johnson in Houston. Has to be one of them. He dominated in Houston at his walk year in Seattle. Uh CC Sabathia to the to, to the Brewers. Milwaukee. Yeah, that was a good run. That uh, was a good run. My worst were any time that Kenny Williams traded for Roberto Alomar or Carl Ever Jr. Every year you knew they was coming. Those were easily the Every year. The, I, the worst. What time I gotta go pick them up? Exactly. <laughs> same place. <laughs> same place, same time. Like those were. That was easily, easily, easily. Sandy and Roberto. Uh, also, one that initially didn't bring back a lot, but I loved it because at the time, uh, outside of Minnie Minosa, we wasn't racking up uh, Cuban exiles, and this started this White Sox with getting Cuban exiles. Uh, a, 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 a dead arm coke dealing. Uh, um, oh. Um, well, man, you see, I busted a few years ago. Yeah, uh, Escobar. No, I'm about to say yeah, it. Escobar Lawaza. Yeah, Escobar. Yeah, you go. Uh, I'm thinking of Escobar. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 a former 20 game winner, Escobar, Escobar Lawaza, who got to 20 games because Mark Burley decided his last start of the season not to take it for Escobar, who's the first Mexican pitcher to get 20 wins. Yeah, I believe if it wasn't, he was the first since Fernando, uh, and then him for uh, Jose Contreras, and then. 
Coop figuring out Jose Contreras for like a year and a half. Mm. And that one probably for me because it was like went to when the Contreras went to the Yankees, I was like, man, why we can't never do that? And even though we knew he was done, the Yankees had finally just given up on him. But we had Coop. And it was mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know what? It's a chance he may be able to figure this dude out. Yeah, him and did. his multiple arm slots. So that one for Warming me. Warming up with softballs. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. I don't know. I, I, I can't. Man, it's been so many trades. Come on, not one stands out with the socks. Anything? Was Ken Griffin Jr. his trade? That was terrible. Yes, it was. That was. I remember that day. Say Ken Griffin. No, you know which one that I still think they should not have done. Please debate me if you think I'm wrong. I don't think they should have traded Aaron Rowan for Jim Tomei. Nope. I think when that and they traded they. It seemed like as soon as they got their rings. Jim's a special assistant, though. I don't give a damn. Peoria's finest. No. Listen, when they when they made that trade, I think that trade was made like right after the um the parade, it seemed like. It's like Aaron was gone. At least they was asking him about like, do you think you could potentially get moved or something like that? I think that was probably one of the worst things because Aaron Rowan then went out, and I think he got a couple of World Series with the Giants. If I'm not mistaken, was it with, with the Phillies in this? With the Phillies, that's who it was. With the Phillies, but he I think was with both teams. I think he got one with the Giants. Yeah. yeah, I think he got one with the Giants. So, not saying that Aaron Rowan was like you know saying a center a center field god by no stretch of the imagination, but he was a good fit for the White Sox, and I think that was one of the that right there. I think kind of uh, not saying they would have repeated, not saying that at all because I think it comes down to pitching. Um, but having him patrol the center field in that defense was huge. And when they made that trade for Jim Tomei, I was like, that's a terrible move. And only thing they got out of it was one playoff uh, appearance, and they lost in that 163 game. That's it. I got a, one a special honorable mention, and this is for someone who's in Chicago now but wasn't in Chicago when he did this move. Theo Epstein moving Nomar Garcia-Pera to the Cubs and them finally breaking their curse and winning the World Series after that. That takes some some gonads. Yeah, that was, was going to bring that day. one up. That was a big day. Sorry. Yeah, Nomar Garcia. That was Nomar a bad Garcia one for Parra. the Cubs. It definitely was. It was a fun day, what though, did, for the what Cubs What did they fans. move for Nomar? To basically nothing. Okay. They Because they were just trying to get rid of Nomar. Yeah, they didn't he wasn't happy. Him. He wasn't happy there. Well, anymore. I think they had their shortstop and they, they didn't need him anymore. Was that the next? They were the next year they won it all, though. They won it that year. Yeah, they won it that year. It was that year? They won it that year. That was uh, 04. Oh, it was 04. Yeah, and I would say the year before that, uh, when the Cubs, this isn't maybe quite trade deadline, but they got Aramis Ramirez, Kenny Lofton on July 23rd. Oh, that's a good one. That was that Pittsburgh Aramis, mm, and people yeah. didn't know it. People, it's funny that yeah. Ram- and I, I loved Kenny Lofton at the time. Me yeah. too. Aramis yeah. lives in that place where he was good, but not good when you needed him to be, and so the value is low. But I think Cubs fans should think fondly of him. Well, see, I think, I think with the Cubs, he kind of had that clutch gene because he hit some big home he runs, did. He did. but he just never was a superstar no. where you could really build around him yeah. or anything. So real quick, the Nomar Garcia Para trade was a Para. Gar Para trade. Para. Para. <laughs> Montreal shortstop Orlando Cabrera, Cubs shortstop Alex uh, Gonzalez, and Doug McCavich from the, the Twins were involved in the trade. Mm. Yeah, they wanted Orlando. That's who they wanted. Yeah, Orlando Cabrera. Yeah. You know, Alex, who uh, along with... Uh, uh, oh Henry sat there and then gave up that Bartman uh, loss 
People forget Alex, Alex Gonzalez messed up too. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the one that messed I up. Know. Was it infield error? Yeah. He had an easy double play, and you're basically out of the inning, if not out of the inning. And Barman's still sleeping with a pistol. I wonder where is he at, man? I thought it was in Seattle. I thought it was it's in the Great 30 for 30, if you haven't seen that. That was, was a good Northwest. 30 for 30. I thought he was in the Northwest. That was a good 30 for 30. Yeah. Funny how they waited until they wanted to be like, it's cool, instead of just being like, dude, we're sorry that people that gave you death threats. It wasn't that serious. We sucked. Like really? It was like, man, we ain't doing nothing until we win. And oh, oh PP hands, Moises Alou out there snapping. Basically. I keep believing. Come on. Come on. No, no. All right, let's keep this baseball talk going with Barry M. Bloom of Fours.com. All right. D and Dave Show. Yo, what up? It's your man Jay Illa, official Chicago Bears DJ. And you are listening to the D and Davis Show. Turn it up. D and Davis and joining us right now, senior baseball columnist from Forbes, check him out at Broski, a uh, Boomski, I apologize. Barry and Bloom is joining us. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing great. Barry, before we get into the Cubs and the White Sox, I got a couple national questions uh, as far as the MLB I got to ask you. Now, looking at the Giants and, and Ferran's 80 and him coming over from the Dodgers, you're looking at a guy that you think most teams are acquiring him to come in and reboot their minor league system. But right now, tomorrow, they're at a crossroads. And I know this is Bruce Boshi's last year, but I would think they would move Madison Bumgarner for at least try to get something so they can start rebooting the system over there. What do you expect is going to happen with the Giants? Well, obviously, they've played really well in July, defying all expectations at this point. And, you know, you have... A, uh, an organization there where fans have expectations and, uh, you know, there's two months to go. Even with de- decreased attendance there, they're still averaging well above 30,000 people a game. So if you're, you know, Farhan or Larry Bear or Jack Bear or anybody in that organization as, as they're making their decisions, it's a bifurcated situation. You don't want to build too much forward and, and and tell the fans you're giving up on the season. Mm-hmm. You you really want to invest in the last two months of this season, especially if it really is Bochy's last two months to manage that organiz in that organization. And you know, and I'm big. I've had my doubts about that right from the beginning. I think Bochy will manage again somewhere next year. Whether you know, my pick has been San Diego, and I've written that all along. But I think he's gotten along better with Farhan and Farhan better with him than than he thought. Uh, he went into this basically in spring training, deciding to cut off any discussion about his future. And that's why he said right then and there he was retiring at the end of the season. He didn't want to have to answer the questions. It would not shock me if Farhan came back and uh, and asked him to manage the team for another year. Nor would it, as I said, surprise me that he'd go to San Diego. The guy still wants to manage. It's just a question of is the situation there going to accommodate him or is it going to be somewhere else? And I think this is all the things that, back to your original question on Bumgarner and Will Smith for that matter, you know, the, both of them are free agents and both of them could wind up signing again. I, I could see Bumgarner signing again in San Francisco if that's what they want to do. And so, uh, you know, that that's why uh, it makes it problematic for them to trade these guys tomorrow. And 
What's going on with the Mets? Uh, uh, you got Syndergaard pitching here in Chicago tonight. Uh, we saw the Stroman trade, and I saw you mention that you that they, they they did the trade with Stroman to stop him from getting to the Yanks, which for me is weird when you're not in a championship window. You shouldn't even be worried about the Yanks. But as far as moving uh, Syndergaard or Wheeler, uh, what are your expectations as far as what's happening with that, and what were your thoughts on the Stroman trade? Well, it, the Stroman trade makes sense in the fact that you know, Wheeler's a free agent and, and whether they trade him or not tomorrow uh, or by tomorrow, he uh, is a uh, he's going to be replaced by Stroman in the rotation who they have under control for next year. So that that makes sense. You know, I, I think they've been looking for a way to get rid of Vargas for a while. Uh, you know, he he he's not one of one of their guys. And I think basically a lot of the, the Syndicard stuff, just like last year with DeGrom at the trade deadline, a lot of this is generated by the media in New York. I don't know how much truth there is to it. I think they like to float these things just to see what kind of uh, you know offers they might get. And if they have an offer that blows them out of the water, then they make the trade. And if not, Syndicard stays with the team. And, and I really do fully expect Syndicard to stay with the team. D and Davis show right now on the line. We have Barry M. Bloom, senior baseball columnist for Forbes and also a Hall of Fame voter. We've got to talk a little bit about Harry Baines a little bit towards the end of this discussion. Uh, let me ask you coming to Chicago about the Cubs uh, with so many teams now looking to get pitching rotation, even for starters. But really, I guess with the Cubs, we're talking about guys in the bullpen. What do you expect? Because looking at Strope, you thought maybe you had a decent right-hander and looking at the guys they had, that maybe all they needed was a lefty. You brought up Will Smith. But it seems like they may need even more help with the fact that C.J. Edwards really can't even figure it out. What do you think, pitching-wise, the Cubs are going to do tomorrow? Well, knowing Theo, I mean, he's always out there trying to improve the team in the areas that need to be improved. And bullpen has been an issue for the last couple of years. In fact, it was it was an issue in 2016 when they won and they made the deal trading Torres to the Yankees for Chapman, which they had not done at that time. They would have not won the World Series. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're always, you know, looking for something. You know, they signed Kimbrell, who essentially is getting his legs after after getting into ball so late this year, you know, after the uh, the draft when he was finally signed and then finally getting into shape and getting into the league so that they've got a, uh, a Chapman type closer there already. And, you know, you look at, you know, the Dodgers could use another middle inning relief guy. If the Yankees don't pick up another starter, they could use another middle inning relief guy. I mean, there's just a lot of teams in the market looking for the same things and, and a very small pool of, of players out there that are on the market to be traded. And, you know, we really, you know, need a, to talk about this consolidated trade deadline. I mean, I just think it's a great idea. You shouldn't have two trade deadlines, but really what they should have done is it should have been August 31st, mm. you know, because that's when you expand rosters. That's when you set playoff rosters and it gives teams enough time to know whether in a month to go to the season, they're really going to be in the race as, as contenders. I mean, you look at, I mean, the White Sox right now, they're gone in both both areas. They're not making the playoffs either in their own division, and they're not making the wild card. And but the Cubs 
are tied for their First, division yeah. and yeah. they're tied for they're tied for the second wild card spot. And you know, they're certainly, you know, gonna make probably the playoffs again or barely miss. So the question is, what do you go out and get? Because you can't make any more moves from August first on. All you can do at that point is go within your own system. Barry, you you mentioned the Cubs right here and uh, the fact that they're tied. They're playing St. Louis in this in this series right here. Had a uh, lost both of the series so far on this road trip. But would you say that this series right here in Seattle is probably the the turning point, uh, good or bad, for this season right now? No, I mean it. It's it's not even August first. I mean, there's two months of the season to go. Uh, they're just like the Yankee series last weekend in uh, in Boston. You know, the Yankees had obviously a big lead. You know, the Reds, uh, the Cardinals, and uh, Cubs are right there, tied with each other. So it's a different situation. But it, you just have 50, 60 games to go, and there's just too much time for any one series to be that important at this point. You're, it's when you get to September and you're down to about 20 games to go, that every series starts to become meaningful. It doesn't matter who you're playing, because if you go into a spin, you don't have the time left in the season to make it up. Now there's still plenty of time left in the season to make it up. D and Davis showing allowance right now, Barry and Bloom for Forbes.com. Uh, sticking with the Cubs, we got one report coming up. Speaking of September, uh, Ben Zerber is supposed to return back to the team. What... I, can the Cubs even expect anything coming from a guy who hasn't played since early May? It depends on, you know, whether he can come back before uh, the, um, you know, the minor league season is done. So he can at least get a couple of weeks down there to work himself back into shape. But to your point, I think it's going to be awfully tough if he has, you know, a couple of games down in uh, instructional ball or wherever they send him to go to get him ready to come back and contribute because he has been gone for so long. And you have uh, Hap back up on the roster, uh, on the main roster. He's in the starting in the lineup this uh, tonight. Uh, Hap has not been who the Cubs thought they, thought they was going to have. I mean, what's the future, do you think, of having a Hap on the roster, or is he going to get moved back, around, back down again? What can, the, what can the Cubs expect to, to get from Ian Hap? You know, I don't think that they're going to really find what Ian Happ is going to be until they let him play a concerted period of time to see what really he can do. I mean, bringing him up, bringing him, sending him down, Mm -hmm. playing him, sitting him on the bench is not giving him the consistency to really dig himself in and get the amount of time he needs in the major leagues to really become the type of player that they think he's going to be. I mean, you can't like, bring a guy up and if he goes over eight or over nine, then you sit him down or send him back to the minor leagues. It's just going to disrupt his flow and his confidence. And, you know, as Joe used to say, and I'll misquoting him, you know, baseball, 90% of baseball is 80% mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this, these guys have the talent. It's just a matter of, can they, can they focus in on it? and deal with the immense failure that baseball presents on a day-to-day basis, especially for a hitter where you're talking about the best hitters in the game are, if, if you succeed 30% of the time, you're failing 70% of the time. That's a lot of failure. And when you get below that, that you're going to, you know, seven fifty, seventy-five 75%, 80%, 
you know, really, it's hard to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I don't think most people really understand what that's like. Dean Davis on the line right now. We have Barry M. Bloom breaking down baseball. My last Cubs question, Barry, is looking at bringing a little offense, and I guess perhaps it'll be an outfielder if they couldn't find anybody on the infield. But you've heard rumors of uh, Jared Dyson from the Diamondbacks and also Nick Castellanos from the Tigers. What guy can they get, especially with the lack of minor league depth and I'm sure an unwillingness to, if they have any decent prospects, to move those prospects when the minor league is so barren right now? Well, yeah, I mean, and and also, uh, you know, you're talking about there are some teams that really don't need the minor league prospects. Mm. The Giants could use the minor league prospects, but they really don't have the type of guys in the major leagues that the Cubs would want at this point. You know, they're, they're, they're patching it together. The Diamondbacks, you know, everybody pretty much who uh, at the double A and triple A level because of injuries and everything else, trades, the loss of Pollock, trade of Goldschmidt, you know, they've raised guys out of AAA. There's really not that much. There's there's really not not that much there. And so if they want prospects for Tyson, it's not going to be a deal that's going to go to the Cubs. Barry, you just brought up the Dimebacks. Before I ask you a Sox question, the Dimebacks are loaded with trade commodities. Will we see Zach Granke being gone? How many guys do you expect for them to unload right now? Yeah, I, I don't think Zach Granke is going anywhere. I mean, he's got 15 teams on a no-trade list. A lot, of, a lot of them are teams that are in contention and in big markets. Uh, it's made it problematic to trade along with his big contracts. You know, they signed that $206.5 million six-year deal three or four years ago. There's still a good chunk of it left. I don't think they're uh, they're going to pick up any of it to trade him. Hmm. So they've been trying to trade him last year at the trade deadline during the winter. And between the, those two things, they just haven't had the opportunity or a match to be able to do it. And nobody wants to pick up that kind of money. So I don't see Zach Greinke being traded. Now, Robbie Ray, on the other hand, if, if they really want to start dumping, they're, uh, you know, I think he's a good fit for the Yankees. You know, good middle of the rotation guy. Uh, you know, he's got a great strikeout to, to walk ratio. Uh, he wins. He's tough. Uh, he'll, he's a left-hander. He'll, he'll look good in, in their rotation at the stadium. But, you know, they're in that tweener position like the Giants. You know, they're a game under 500. They're winning in New York tonight. They beat the Yankees tonight. They're 500 going into the trade deadline, and they're still right there for a wild card. You know, two years ago, they were 20 games behind the Dodgers in August. Then they went on a, a, a winning streak in late August, early September of like 10, 12 in a row that solidified the number one wildcard spot. And then they won the wildcard game. And because of their pitching matchups and what happened in the wildcard game, they really didn't have much against the Dodgers in the championships in the division series, but you know, at least they were there. I mean, they could do the same thing very easily this year. And as you saw in 2014 with the giants, the giants scuffled, they made the wild card, the second wild card, they went to Pittsburgh. Bumgarner pitched a complete game shutout in Pittsburgh. They they beat Washington. They beat St. Louis. And they wound up beating Kansas City in the World Series. I mean, once you get there, if you win that one game, then everything resinks. 
and you have you, and you have a chance. Every the season is renewed, so it's where where these guys are in this early trade deadline that everybody has to decide. You know, are we going to tell our fans that the season's over, and uh, and there's nothing that we're going to be able to do about it, and so don't come out for the rest of the season, or do they at least make the pretense that they're still trying for a playoff spot? You know, come out. We have you know a good 30% of our home games to go, you know, come out and watch the team play. It's, it's a really uh, tough situation, you know, no matter analytics, eyeballs, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. Nobody knows who's going to get hurt. Nobody knows, as I said, who's going to have a winning streak. Nobody knows who are the giants going to play as well in August and September as they have in July, or are they going to play like they did in April? That those are the guesses that you have to make. Barry, We've talked a lot about bullpen arms. And on the south side right now, you look at Alex Colomay. And I'm, look, I'm a proponent of I'm, I'm happy he's having a great season. But with one year of control and this team probably three years away from contention, why not get value for a guy that even though you only have one year, if you extended him you, with closers, you don't know how he'd be in a few years. Do you think the Sox should move Colomay? And what type of value do you believe they can get for him? You know, no, I'm not a big proponent, uh, you know, the, the, it, just because of your point. The, the closers mostly now, except for a few, have a very short shelf life. You know, it's a very tough job to do year in and year out. And when you have a guy like Kalme, who's done it before and is doing it again now, basically, I don't think you create another hole by getting rid of him for prospects at a time you're really trying to build the major league roster to be competitive in the years going forward. You know, I, I think that that's something that they should consider at the trade deadline next year. If they're in the same situation they are now. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Do you think they have any other moves? Uh, the white Sox, any other guys, well, the bullpens, maybe bummer. Uh, you know, uh, again, it's, uh, you know, those are kind of fungible parts. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what they're going to get back. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting thing really is not in the bullpen for them. I think it's, you know, what do you do with the Bray who, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year? Do you, you know, trade him now? And that would be great for a Bray because then he wouldn't be subjected to the, uh, the qualifying offer as, as a guy traded in the season. So he'd be really a free agent and he'd be out there for anybody to sign. Be a great thing for Abreu. Now, would it be a great thing for the White Sox, or should they just hold on to him and offer him the qualifying offer and reserve the draft pick, which will probably, based on you know what's happened the last few years in the in the market, you know it, it'll tie him up unless he decides to take the qualifying offer and come back to the White Sox for a year. And I'm wondering with the way Major League Baseball has done this and how they've clogged up the free agent market. I wonder if their next thing is that there's some sort of like unspoken directive to keep your free agents, to keep Bumgarner, to keep, you know, a Brayu and, and give them the qualifying offer and really make it difficult for them to sign elsewhere next year. Mm. Wow. I mean, we already had a free agency where a lot of players didn't make any kind of moves, but that would be interesting if that was to happen. I want to go to the pitching, uh, Barry. Now you have uh, kind of like a bizarre kind of little flip right here. Uh, uh, Lucas Giolito, great first half, not 
great so far in the second half. Ronaldo Lopez was pitching tonight, not great so far. Uh, first half having a really good uh, second half so far. But are you is is if you was running the Sox, would you, would it be a, a high priority to go out there and try to spend that money on starting pitching, or try to roll with the younger guys that you have coming up? You have a Dylan Seeds, you have a Kopech coming back. What would you do with the starting lineup with, with as far as the pitching? You know, I think that if you have a young core of starting pitching, you know, you really you build a build within and then you you add as necessary. I mean, if you look at the, the, the north side and the way Theo built that championship team, mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't spend or develop much pitching in the minor league level. What he did was, you know, they wanted to build via free agent signings and trades. They made the trade for Rizzo, trade for Addison Russell. You know, they signed, they 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 drafted Schwarber. You know, they 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 drafted Bryant. You know, and and they that's how they put together the core of their of, of their high impact starting lineup. And then they went out and made trades for Arietta. You know, uh, they traded off a lot of their starting pitchers for those draft picks that. You know they wound up uh, building the team around, and 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 they really they signed Lester. I mean, that's that's the way that was Theo's philosophy. You know, don't spend any time on developing starting pitching. Once we get everything else, you know, we can go we can go there, and 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 it's you know the it, it, you can go the opposite way, which is where the White Sox are, or even the Padres are right now. You know, right now, you know they've got a lot of good young arms in the system. You know, they probably went way too far where they had no veteran starting pitching to open the season. And they relied on a lot of kids who hadn't even played above double A, let alone triple A. They had two starters, you know, uh, who had 20, 20 games of starting experience last year going into the season. So it's not a great recipe, but they've got so many kids that. You know, for the future, once they do start adding veteran starting pitching, you know, they should have a pretty good staff. And that's where I would go with the White Sox. I mean, you don't want to get into a situation here again where, you know, the, you know, Han and Williams do something really stupid like mm-hmm. trade, you know, trade Tatis for, yeah. you know, like Shields. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it to us, Barry. Don't do it. It still hurts us, <laughs> it, Barry. It, it hurts us every day we see it. I mean, I'll never understand that trade. Yeah. Look, Dean Davis, son of line, Barry and Bloom, senior baseball columnist for Force. Follow him at Boomski. Barry, I got to go back to something you've mentioned. How much value do you put in having a great clubhouse presence and leader going back to Jose Abreu? As you mentioned, they may get the best value if they sit there and give it a, sign him to a qualifying offer and, and get a draft pick. But looking at the fact that DH first baseman sluggers don't bring back what they did five, ten years ago, should the Sox hold on to him because of that clubhouse presence? And also with him being a Latinx guy and so many guys from the Caribbean that are on this team that are younger that he can help steady them. Or should they look to get the best thing they can get from them and just keep on continuing to try to add up with prospects or players that are close to the majors? Well, I'm I'm a very big proponent in, you know, I think it's always been this way, but maybe even more so now where I think your manager needs a, a strong clubhouse veteran presence in a guy like a Abreu to basically, you know, if I'm Rick Renderia, I want Abreu 
particularly with all the Latin players on the club. I want him to be able to to convey what Renneria once done with the team in the clubhouse and become a second voice there. I think that that's that's immensely important, you know, in this day and age. I think you saw that with, uh, you know, with with the Cubs, especially in 2016, you know, with uh, Joe and, and, and Grandpappy. You know, it's like he used them. But no, I'm serious. It's it, it was a funnel and a second voice in the clubhouse. Mm you know, for Joe to basically control the rest of the team, especially with a bunch of young guys they have in there. So, I, you know, and then Clint Hurdle did it with McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. Uh, Goldschmidt was was a big deal for that. And Adam Jones is helping out in Arizona right now. I mean, I don't think that you can overestimate what I call the Jeter effect in a clubhouse. So I think that that's a big part of why you hold on or even try to, Resign Abreu. My last one, Barry, isn't a baseball question. We live in Chicago up in the Midwest, and we're just coming off a horrific heat streak. You live in Phoenix. I know it's dry heat. <laughs> what are you doing outside of staying in the house and going to, to, to the mall and dome stadiums? What are you doing during the summertime down there in Phoenix, man? Well, I mean, first of all, as a baseball writer, you know, I try to spend as little time in Phoenix as I can during the summer. I mean, it, <laughs> and the people who live here do the same thing. They go to Flagstaff, they go to San Diego, they go to L.A. They have their if you have enough money, they have their second houses or whatever they do. You know, uh, I mean, really, this week's the first full week I've been in Phoenix in like the last five or six weeks. Okay. And then, you know, to, uh, you know, what you do is, I mean, I, I'll, I would rather have the kind of weather in Phoenix. I'll take 110 degree weather any day than those cold, blustery days that you guys get smart with, man the wind, there, with the wind coming off the lake in the middle of the winter. I'll take this right now because, you know, I can go from, my air conditioned condo to my air conditioned car to my to, to shop. I, I don't let it affect my life. I really don't. I mean, you're just not going to do outdoor exercising in this weather. But, you know, I, I have to walk from the garage, you know, to uh, to the press gate at uh, Chase Field when I'm here. And it, 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 it's no fun, but you don't think about it. You just do it. Okay. Yeah, you go. I mean, listen, we had below 50 degree uh, days last winter. So, Yes, I, I I think I'll do the same as you, Barry. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Hey, Barry, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the show. We really got to do it again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good. I hope I had some insight that helped you out. You definitely did. Definitely did, Barry. Thanks. Okay, take care, guys. All right, that's Barry M. Bloom of Forbes.com. Make sure you follow Barry on Twitter at Boomski. That's B-O-O-M-S-K-I-E, Boomski. All right, it was great, man. You know what? Let's go ahead and wrap up this show, The and Davis Show. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're listening to the D and Davis Show. Yeah. D and Davis Show. All right, we went uh, went a home stretch of this show right here, but uh, Ken got some breaking news. What you got for us, Ken? All right, this is from ESPN. Uh, in the midst of a heated playoff race, the Cleveland Indians have traded right-hander Trevor Bauer to the Cincinnati Indians. I mean, Cincinnati Reds, sorry. And will get outfielder Yasil Puig as part of a three-team deal that also wow. includes the San Diego Padres, as a source said. So it seems like we're not sure that Puig may be moved along to San Diego. I did hear earlier with the lack of hitting 
very good hitting down in uh, Atlanta. Outside of Ronald Acuna Jr., they were a team that looked like they looked after Puig. Puig had a terrible April, and those have hurt his numbers, but his last two months have been pretty good. I think the last two, he's been hitting like 290-something. Like, he's been playing actually pretty good at the plate. Uh, it'd be interesting. This is his walk year. I think he's 27, but we, we ain't seen that birth certificate. And he's a reverse splits guy, right? He's better against righties versus lefties, mm-hmm. so... That could be valuable if you face a lot of right-handed pitching. Listen, if you go on to Cleveland, that's a good move for him because you're going to be in a playoff race. And if you go on to Atlanta, which is a possibility, you're on a team that's now that's leading the uh, NL East by four and a half games over Washington. And, and you're out of Cincinnati. Ding, sure ding, ding. But look, even if uh, – but what happened if unfortunately he's traded to Ohio, still stays in Ohio with the Indians. Hey, he's upgrading in Ohio. Facts. <laughs> Uh, but also, and it's not this year that the reward will be reaped and he's a free agent. So that's not to say he'd be re-signed, but I would think a team will be trying to look at, to kind of get their eyeballs on him closely to see if they want to give him a contract. Mm-hmm. Goes to San Diego. That's a young and up and coming team with a lot of talent. You know, listening to what we just talked to Barry, uh, a lot of people, they have a heralded uh, minor league system with great pitching depth. So the pitching is coming to go along with the young superstars that they have. And if Barry's right. Bruce Bochy might be their manager again. Yeah. And that would get really real, real fast. Yeah. Really yeah. quick. It'd be interesting to see where he, like now, a commodity like that, seems like it's time to fire Ricky. That's got fire Ricky written all over it. Hey, ask the Cubs how that worked. We are usually bringing uh, Madison with him. You'd be happy with Bruce, though. I know. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Bo- Boach? Boach? Yeah, I know, man. Boach is the He guy. might be better than Madison. You think so? Maybe it's close. Who's has more ranks? I think Boach. Boach yeah. not even close. Yeah, three I forgot. Yeah, three, three, three. I forgot three when he came to the Giants. That big, I old, big old watermelon head he is. And he went to the World Series with the Padres, right? I believe he Did lost he? to the Yankees. I was about to say the he Yankees. was managing that team. Yes, he was the manager was like, of that what, team. Ninety something. Mm-hmm. With Tony Gwynn, I believe. That's, that's, yeah, that's Tony Gwynn. Wow, I forgot that he was managing them. So he has a World Series loss, just like Joe. Yes, he does. <laughs> But, he, but you know what? He has three <laughs> rings, though. <laughs> he has three rings. Uh, Wow. You know what, Ken? I hope you speak that into existence. That would be very nice. Poor po Ricky. We just want to kick Ricky out so bad. Well, po can Ricky. you win a World Series with Ricky? No. The Indians will land outfielder uh, Framil Reyes and young left-hander Logan Allen from the Padres. Mm. Does that put the Indians kind of over the top? A little bit in this playoff race? I don't know, man. Minnesota is Minnesota is just they're good. Two games? Only two games though. But Minnesota's good. The Reds are sending uh prospect Taylor Trammell to the I wonder if that's what's the name Trammell's any relation to him. I mean Trammell's out there. Oh, there's a lot. Okay. Yeah. okay. Barry Trammell. That comes to mind. Mm. I forgot what he even did. I don't know. That's I, I don't you know. I I like that move for Cleveland just to go ahead and give you a little more offensive thump in a lineup. Do you, you think know? the center field thing had anything to do with it? Because with Trevor Bauer, it's not like Bauer was necessarily a problem Man. in the clubhouse, but he wasn't some easy breezy guy either. No, he wasn't. He was kind of difficult. Alan Trammell is who I'm thinking about. Oh, Alan Trammell. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow! I can't wait to the trade deadline tomorrow. You think we're going to get a lot of moves? Do you think this might be... So many people need... Dude, it has to be. There's no waiver waiver wire signings. Mm -hmm. If you don't make a move, that's you. That's you. Then you're stuck, right? Yeah, so... Well, you can keep making moves, but it doesn't qualify for the postseason this year. So, for the contenders-wise... Oh, wow. So, dude, yeah. Let's see who's contenders. And and looking at... I mean, you got to remember, in the NL... 
It's a, a whole hoist of teams that believe they're contenders. And then the thing Has is, the NL Central. Yeah. And then when you look at the fact... Everybody making trades. That, um, that the White Sox have Comey and like, dude, do you know the value Bummer. you can get? Man, when people... And the Phillies want him bad. Dude, when people... Look, let two of these relievers go and not the top teams like the Yanks are involved or something. Man, the price is going to be high when it comes to the deadline tomorrow afternoon. I like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, especially this being the first year without the regular waiver wire. I'm excited to see what takes place. And I'm, I'm, I'm always down for is, the mechanics of man, well, uh, upfront office movements. Is Kalame the best closer on the market? If he's, if he's on, we'll if, pretend that he is on the market. I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see that. That's, that's a futures move. That you're gambling the future of the White Sox if you do move him. How was it the? Future? I think it's a gamble either way though. Because I as I think we I think we talked about this before and we had a lot of guests on him before. That's a spot that you know that you have and you have control over. And why jeopardize it? Not saying because you could turn into Carlos Marmol. That's very true. It is. All I mean, of a but sudden, you have, he but just you have control over it. it. You have control. I can see. I can. I can kind of see it both ways. This dude, like, I can kind of see it both ways. He wouldn't even be here if it was a situation where you're like, "That's that dude." All right, he would have been on a contender. He's hot now. You do not sit here. And the White Sox have done this so many times. They did it with uh, what's the name? They traded to the Diamondbacks for Adam Eaton. Like, and dude was like a regular every hitter. And they transformed to that. No, if, if with Kome right now, and dude, we we've said it. You said it's two years away. Yeah, well, who's to say this dude's gonna be getting good two, two years? And look, I don't think even two years away when they kind of contend, they may not get to the point where they're actually in it in it till three to four years. And you're gonna sit here and 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 lose a high value prospect or player when teams and feet are gonna be to the fire right here at this trade deadline because you're worried about having a closer in three years. I think a lot of people are looking at the White Sox. And the potential that you have in the good first half that they have, it's like okay, wow, you actually have something. You might not want to give that up. That's the I, I I think that's the thinking that a lot of people have who say don't move him. But listen, if you get something for him, you do trade him. <laughs> how are they? I'm use, not saying you don't. How you know? are they? They haven't been winning. How are they even using him properly? Yeah, yeah. So when they going through, they going through the slump right now. They're coming off an of All Star break. They're going into the All Star break. There was two games up by five hundred. They had a rough start. I have a rough go at it coming out of the All Star break. That's why I think people looking at that where it's like, okay, you might have something. So I don't know if Wait, somebody if, if like somebody what? if somebody gives no no no. I'm in saying him? in him yeah okay. in him and in yourself because of the way you have been playing. They just came out stinking after the All Star break. So now it kind of opens up like, well, damn, you know what? We're in a position right now. We might as well go ahead and just move them. That's that's a logical what you're saying is is super logical. It's just a simple fact of what are the front office of the what what does Rick Hahn do? That's it. But if somebody comes over, Ken, I'm with you. And they be like, man, listen, we'll give you this for him. He gonna be he's gone. He is gone. Kenny's still higher than 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 Rick. He will be gone. So I don't know. We just got to see. Do you think he's even going to be worth it though? Because he's got two more years, but the third or the second year is arbitration. If he has a great season next year, he might be getting paid a pay lot more a lot than more. you want to pay for that position. And he's already thirty years old. He's going to be thirty-one his arbitration year, which is where we're thinking the White Sox are going to start contending. Contending, yeah. yeah. Ask the Cubs with Greg Kimbrell how that's working. Yeah. No, no. It's a, listen. Everything you all saying is one hundred percent logical. 
we just got to see what happens. So we're looking at contenders right now. You got the Yankees leading the East by How eight and a half. about those Yankees games. with all their injuries? A run differential of 119. That is amazing. With all the injuries they had. So you have Minnesota, but only two games up on Cleveland. You have Houston. They're eight games up on a wild card, but Oakland um, is, hit, is there for the wild card. And who else? Yeah, it'd be Probably Oakland Cleveland. right now. And Cleveland, they're, the three, they're three games. Right. They're, yes, yes, you're 100% right. Yes, it'd be Cleveland. So then you look at Atlanta. Boston's uh, probably right close for the wild card, too. They're a game out of the wild card. They're, they're half a game back behind Tampa Bay. So, I don't know, man. It's a lot of guys out there. I mean, a lot of teams out there, Ken. I'm with you. Looking at it because there's no waiver wire. All these teams. You look at Milwaukee. What are they going to do? You have St. Louis, you have the Cubs still, you have the Dodgers, uh, the Giants and the, and the uh, Diamondbacks are not at the ballpark when it comes to the wild card either. The Angels, they're five and a half games back at the wild card. I don't know if they're going to really do anything like that. You have Cleveland that's there and you have Tampa Bay and you have the Boston Red Sox. It's going to be quite a few moves. Yeah, possibly it's going to be made tomorrow. Man, that NL, because obviously the Central is still pretty open. You got the NL East with those three teams and the Braves, Nationals and Phillies. Mm-hmm. Maybe out west, not as much, but man, those Dodgers are rolling. Like this National League is really competitive. Yeah, yeah. I think Closers. we, I, I think we came in saying the National League was going to be the best. Closers league. that could be on the market. You look at uh, Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates. As far as guys that may be better than Colme, mm-hmm. he might be the same situation as Colme. You look at Edwin, yeah, but he's been he's an all star. He's been more consistent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying in terms of maybe the Pirates don't want to get rid of him. No, I they're not I this, I'm, we asked, is there any better than him? Oh, yeah, gotcha. Edward Diaz from the Mets. Mets. Uh, looking at their situation, yeah, the Mets uh, are done. And look, this Mets guy, are trying to trade some pitchers. Surprisingly, that we haven't yeah. talked about Shane Green with the Tigers. Oh, oh! By the way, I saw a report that that Tyler Boyd or Matt Boyd, he is not expected to be traded. I wouldn't move him. So, but yeah, Shane now, Green closer, is another one. Yeah, a frontline starter. Tyler. That can be your one or two. Yeah. That has years of controllability. Yeah, we're going to. And plus. We saw the stat. He's like Lucas Giolito and yes. how much he jumps yes. for it's K's per even, nine. Dude, mm-hmm. you you would have to clean out your minor league system if you came to get him from me. Yeah. For real. Give me everything. And that ballpark, too. Yeah, dude. That's new. massive. Give, yeah. A closer, yes. Uh, to him and what he can do. Matt Boyd is staying here. Matthew Boyd isn't going anywhere. And they haven't even really. I guess they've kind of begun their rebuild. But man, that could Who be a drink? contract. Heck, I think he has to play like 80 more years. And he's he has like five to six more years on that deal. Cabrera. Ooh. Mickey Cabrera Ooh. has, dude, he has like five more. It's the least is four. He has like that many more. And he's, listen, he ain't retiring. Who was the the Detroit president that moved to Boston? Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. All that's he comes all in, oh, trades w- away gets rid of every rid of prospect. Yes, yes. And signs them all in. He's 36 years old, first baseman. He is signed, my God, until, what's this? What's he got the this, John Wall contract? What is this pink? What does this pink lettering mean? Uh, 2025. So right now is 2019. He's he getting 30. Years on yeah. Five to six more years. Dave Dombrowski, who you're talking about. Dave Dombrowski. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to Mickey, though, man. Get that money. Oh, get all of it. Get that money. How yeah. many rings he's got? One? Just one? Yeah, because where else did he get another? Well, he went to the World Series. I can't remember. Two. He went to the they World Series the twice. Giants? They lost to the Red Sox. Who are you talking about? The no, no, no. Detroit? No, I mean, not oh, the Red Sox. yeah. You're right. Didn't they? No, they lost in the World Series to the Giants. 
Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, you're right. That was the Panda series. Panda, Panda. He's back, too. Panda's back. He shouldn't have left San Francisco. Isn't that a song? That money. Yeah. It's called that. Left my heart in San Francisco or something like that? Yeah. I mean, he went and took that money from the Red Sox so quick. It's like, give me all of that. Left my talent in San Francisco. They went like by spring training. It was a rap. Like, oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) This was a mistake. He took a swing and his belt snapped off. He was like, I got to leave. Like, who made this? Who got this panda out here? He looks like a real panda. I love it. I love it. I love it. Get that money. On a side note, outside of sports, I finally got my chance to listen to the albums the group text has been discussing, and that's Chance, Chance's new project and also YMB Cordy. I still haven't what listened to Chance. What did you think of Chance? You haven't done Chance? I still haven't listened to Chance yet. Chance is good. You, it's for older, I saw your text about it. It's for older crowd, though. It's not for his demographic. Like, dude, they got, of course, it's Chance. They got house music. He got SWV on that bad boy. Are you serious? Yes. Like, dude, like, when the 22, you the to 22 it, track scared me away. When you go, listen, I just got to get I, to it, though. I'm with you. When you listen to I when I got to the first song of him and Nicki Minaj, when I was first, like, I'm tired of this. Like, this is, because it's hard for me to listen to one artist that many, consistently that long. As I said, I'm happy his verbal skills are still extremely sharp, because that's what I was worried about when Tony was like, and me and Tony had talked before. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this Chance album. And I'm like, dude, artists go through growth he may have an album that's not hot to you but it's very early in his career kind of for you to just like you can't just write him off of it it's a good album it's not i mean it's, i wouldn't be like oh you have to listen to it i think and i said this he needs to get a and r he needs he needs to have a real just rapidy rap album i know tony mentioned that too yeah i would flow. love to see him with um with a premiere I would love to see him. Whoa. Yeah, I would love to see him. Like, Because his, his, he can fill out the space. He's lyrical enough to fill out the space on a premiere track. I would like to see him with someone that's a real, just old school or new guy that's like that, like Alchemist. I would love mm-hmm. to hear him. Because take all that. God noise out the back. I'm not saying it in a dispersion fashion, but I don't need the choir every second. He chants. Like coloring book is a fantastic name for an album for him because he fills out all the margins in the song. Sometimes you don't want all the margins feel. I want boom bat and what you have to say, sure. and that's like I, that's what I think his fans are thirsting for right now. Now this is the issue with you saying all that. His his music has changed. Typically, they don't go back to it. Well, they do mixtapes though. I guess so. They do, they, you, mean, do, you do yeah. good. And look, when we look at, uh, again, it's happened before, but look at Banana with uh, a Mad Lib mm-hmm. and with uh, Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs and Mad we Lib. Got, we were living in an era where uh, Nas and, uh, uh, and, Kanye? Uh, and Kanye, we're in an era where producers and, and MCs get together for a project. I think oh, if no, no, something I, different, he will do one. Okay, that would be, that would be yeah, yeah, that would be something different. But typically, no, I, I get what you're saying now. But typically, when a when an artist kind of hits that stride of, I just want to do something different. I want to try to elevate my sound and change my sound up. They typically don't go back to what they would once were. They can make a joint. I don't album. think he was once a straight. I don't think MC. He was, yeah, not an MC, but he's always. I don't think he was on. Did a plethora of straight. East Coasty in a way, just, just rhyme. Just, just want you to spit. Yeah, but with dope production. I'm not saying it doesn't need dope production, mm-hmm. but he's so good. And I know he does. He he works on the production side, I believe. He needs to let someone else do that a little bit for him, and not someone who is going to just do the track in his vein. Someone who's gonna be like, no, 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 let's do something that you haven't done before. That's what Crit said about his new album. He only he only produced one song yeah, on that dude. album. Oh. You can definitely tell because then he said. 
in the interview I saw him on the Breakfast Club, he was like, man, listen, it allowed me just to focus on my rhymes. And you can definitely tell. But, I mean, Crit has produced like 75% of all his music anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, and I think it was somebody like an A&R was like, you know what? Don't produce none of this. Get some tracks from other people. You just worry about MCing. Yes. And he was able to do it. So it'll be good to Switch see if up. he can do that. Switch, Switch it, up. it up. Now, the YB and Cordy. I was going to oh, ask, well, how about that album? That album is good. Mm-hmm. That it's listen, damn I good. It's, it's damn, good. damn good. That's his debut album. Mm-hmm. That kid can rhyme. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely tell, like the um, he has. He kind of delves into the kind of like a new age kind of a, a cadence or whatever like that. But very rare. You can tell that he grew up listening to lyricist. He is. I ain't gonna say he's like a great lyricist. It's not like an Illmatic when it first dropped. You listen to Nas, like, oh my God, you know, so this is unbelievable. But it's a damn good It's a damn good album. I am thoroughly, thoroughly pleased. What's the name of the album? Uh, Lost, Lost Way Found. Found. Lost and Found. Lo- Lost and Found. Yeah. Which is probably the best track on the album. It's a great album. One. It's a really good. Then I listen, listen, I was more interested in listening to Chance, and I saw the two, I, I listened to two tracks. And then I went into something else. I lost, I started listening to YBN. Is it Cordy or Corday? I think it's Corday. Corday. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop listening to it. I was like, <laughs> like holy, this is this is great. This is a great album. So I was very happy with that. Phenomenal. Are we gonna get Guy's opinion on the album? Guy, you listen to a lot of rap. What are you listening to? You like both I, of the albums? I haven't. I haven't heard uh, YBN Corday's album yet, but I have been listening to uh, the, the new Dreamville album. J. Cole. Yeah, that's pretty good. The, 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 what is it called? The Revenge of... Something like that? What is it? The Revenge of something. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. It's a, it's a nice collection album. It's a nice collection of all the uh, Dreamville MCs. That's, that is that is a pretty good one. That's a pretty good album. Saw so a funny note. Uh, a bench is clear between the Pirates and the Reds. After Reds reliever Amir Garrett was removed from the game, he charged the Pirates dugout and the bench is clear. Ooh, with a bat? He was the pitcher. Oh, yeah, okay. I was about to say what? He charged the dugout? After he was taken out. He charged the I'm pirates. Get, I'm gonna get you, mothers. <laughs> you mfers. You see how things go down in Cincinnati, D. Hey, man, that's and that's on the field. Hey, you want to have some fun? Let's have some fun, then, y'all. And all they got is chili with spaghetti. In it. Ugh, I love it. Garbage. That's love what your it. city's known for. I love it. That's terrible. Come on. I love it. Your cuisine. What is that like? The your best cu- chili? It's not even the best chili. Sucks. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a quick little Boy, story. He loves. He remember he doesn't have taste buds. I have. Yeah, taste but buds. I'm saying even in the chili world, that's the best chili. It's audacity. Ah, let me tell you something. I love it. I grew up thinking that that was the way you made chili because that's the way my grandmother <laughs> makes it. Chanel made some chili for the first time for us when we first started dating in my first apartment. I was like, I'm going to cook some chili. I'm like, all right, cool. She brought a bowl in. I'm like, what the hell is this? I said, where's spaghetti? And this means do not value his chili. He didn't have real chili until you know he was what? in his 20s. No, I take that back. It was a spot on Western. If anybody remember this, it's like on 73rd and Western called, I think it was called Freddy's, something like that. Mm-hmm. It was a little old school little hut mm-hmm. on Western and they Don't had they made it. chili. Ugh. It was great. It was great chili. So I have had it before. Hut chili and <laughs> No, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, this chili was amazing. This chili was amazing. Marquette yeah, Park, chili Marquette great. Park area. It was great. It, that chili was Sometimes great. Sometimes those huts are great. Yes. Best chili that I've had is this um, kosher spot that used to have, I don't think they still have a food truck called Milton's. It was this uh, brisk, spicy brisket chili. 
Ooh. It was sensational. That sounds amazing. It was, oh my God. Spicy. And if you like spice, it was just enough to where it wasn't overbearing, but it was spicy. Was there a little bit of like barbecue? Yes. Yeah. The brisket was barbecue. That sounded pretty good. It was, oh Mm. Lord. Oh Lord. Listen, I used to, I missed the truck a couple times. I used to look weekly to see if the truck was coming back to where me and D used to work at. Not too far from it. Right? Old spot? It used to be like two blocks away from it. Oh, okay. And all oh, the Milton's. The places, they still have a brick and mortar restaurant. Milton's? Mil- yeah, Milton's. Uh, Milton's. A kosher spot. I think they named it after their uncle Milton. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah. Where's oh, it at? It's on, I think it's like maybe in Lakeview or something like that. It's on the north side. Hey, I'm telling you, man, don't knock chili with spaghetti in it. It's good. Oh, I knocked it. It's good, man. Yeah, okay. I love it. I'm love fine it. with knocking that. Love it. Knock, knock. I tell Chanel right Who's now. Who's this? Chili with spaghetti. So you don't Get use, do you use bread as well with your skyline chili? To like dip? The, yeah. Dip it. Yeah, that's fine. That, yeah. So you get bread and spaghetti. I don't care. I don't have to say anything. I let my young gunner do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't take his opinion when it comes to food. Hey, man, listen. <laughs> it's good. It's not when it's strong. Can I get some more wheat for my chili? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Haven't had it in a long time. But you though. did love it. Haven't had it in a long Making time. Making skyline though. chili sandwiches over here. Yeah, dude. I probably do that too. Give me some bread. Put it on. Put it in the middle of it. With wrap it over. Oh, the amount of carbs you just put in your mouth. I haven't had it since I was like twenty something. I know. We know. But you know what? I did have had Chanel. Like, you make sure you make me a side of spaghetti. I can put in my chili. Poor, that <laughs> poor woman. That <laughs> poor, poor woman. You cannot. Where's my spaghetti and my chili? Hey man, it's good. Name, it got a city name out of it. I gotta tell you something. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you could be known for bad things. Exactly. It's not bad, man. I'm telling you, it's good. Okay. This guy, you ever had it before? I haven't had spaghetti in my chili, but I have had a spaghetti sandwich. Oh, okay. why? Yeah. Uh, who is getting spaghetti between bread? Uh,. My dad experiments with a lot of things. He's a very overweight man. So, uh, <laughs> Don't you put your daddy down here. My daddy's fat and he just thinks of anything to put in you his know, mouth. We'll be good with this chili more carbs. <laughs> Did he toast it at least? No, no toast. See, straight, I can't straight out get the that. Like, just texturally. Well, like, if you I made garlic to... bread and then spaghetti in between, that kind of seems like a sandwich there. Look, texturally, that's an issue with me. I can't rock. Hey, man, let me tell you something. People eat what they eat. I eat. People eat what they eat. That's fine. We're talking about good eats. You, you ever, you ever had a, a honey a honey sandwich? Toast? Some, put some honey in between there. Boom, there you go. No, but I'll tell Just you Just honey? I'll tell you what is the bomb. I got learned this from Nigerians as a kid. Toasted bread, peanut butter, and syrup. Damn, you talking about giving somebody the, the sugars for real? Yeah, I mean, I, this was only when I was a kid. Gonna lose your that foot. That toasted bread we don't have one with foot. that syrup. <laughs> Diabetes. Ooh. Them Nigerians said put the Imagine, syrup you know I don't and like, peanut butter together. You know and I don't like, I'm not a peanut butter and jelly person because it reminds me of the projects. I love peanut butter and jelly. I don't. In a second. I like meat in my sandwich. I do crackers, peanut butter, and jelly. Ugh. Banana, I understand, peanut and banana. I understand crackers peanut butter, with banana? peanut butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not crackers. After a workout, I usually do that. Not crackers with peanut butter and jelly. Why not? These have these get those at uh, school. The jelly it doesn't go well with a saltine. Yeah, yeah I agree. Fine with me. I don't really like using saltines for anything. He says, "Oh no, I like a rich cracker." I put them in. No, no, I'm talking about a rich my, cracker, not like my, a saltine cracker. Put in my chili. <laughs> I, I put in my bread. chili. Yeah, yeah. Bread is I put, my thing. I put you oysters. Use, you use bread in your chili? 
I thought you was against bread in the chili. No, no, no. Bread with spaghetti already okay. in the chili. I use how the, much? How much breading can you? You have? put oyster crackers in your chili? Yeah, I. But this is the thing. I'll do oysters. Yeah. Sometimes I can get insane with my. This is my bad part of chili. With my chili, sometimes I don't like it as moist, so I like it to be like just the crackers to dry out a lot of the moisture. The hell? I still taste phenomenal. <laughs> You just eating a no, box I'll of cereal. I'm gonna put a dab of milk on this. Chili can be amazing, runny or completely dry. That's the thing. That's it. That's it. So for me, I I used to go like now I don't. I could, but I used to go completely dry. I used to go completely dry with my chili, and it's because mm. it just. My mom used to make it dry, and then I had wet chili, and I was like, "This is delicious." But again, well. no, yeah, it's, it's wet it's initially. Fine. But I dry it out with the crackers, so you're still getting the flavor from the Spoiled juices. Whole the crackers, bag, whole bag, and of crackers that salt just kind of. Mm. That's all you need. Mm. It's called, <laughs> that's all you mm. need. It's called, a, mm. called a heart attack. That's all you. I don't really do it that much. So this man just gave you a heart attack and losing your foot all over chili. All hey, right. you gave them Skyline Chili. Skyline Chili better. is good. And you gave them fat for life fat with for the life. amount of carbs from the bread and the chili that you eat. You just dip the bread in, baby. You said a sandwich. Oh, Cincinnati should sign you for their tourism. Let me tell you something. Even when I go to Harold's, let me tell you, this is hood. It's right here. Damn, boy. You get the mouth sauce and you really get to the bread and then you get your fries. And you put the fries in the bread. Fry sandwich. No. Uh, uh, Thank you, guy. (laughs) Yeah, guy. (laughs) Thank you, guy. He comes from a lineage of. Finally, we heard from (laughs) stuffing (laughs) potatoes and starch in bread. Ooh, that mouse on that bread. Ooh. I ask you all the time, you gonna eat your bread? I don't like I, that's the last thing I don't eat really. Usually as I got an older. Are you Irish or Italian, D? I forgot. Uh Irish. No. When you, I get I've never It been, shows. It shows with the potatoes. It it I've never been big at one of those people. Like I know people to be like, I need some bread with my chicken. I'm like, why? Like people honestly don't need it's, it. it's a cultural thing. Black people, because of going to, to wing spots and stuff, because a bread piece of bread, like all oh yeah, comes it comes with the bread. bread. Oh yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. talking like people at home, like man, I need a piece of bread with this chicken. It's like, why do you need a piece? I of ask bread? the question, why you need hot sauce with it? Like what? You need sauce with wings. Yeah. Mouth sauce is fine. Well, yeah. well, hot sauce is good too. I don't like hot sauce. So then you wouldn't like it on chicken, in and you wouldn't understand why it's tasty. I mean, you need that though. <laughs> If your seasoning is good enough when you where you cook it, you don't need it. Whoa, you need sauce. You just said mouth sauce. If I I had to go to a sauce, it's going to be mouth sauce. First of all, if we're going to go true facts, I even do a little hot sauce is better on chicken than mouth sauce. Really? It's much more universal. People look at him shaking his head. People don't know mouth sauce like that. That's like we being from DC talking about mambo sauce. Like, yeah, regionally you have the world know right now. I feel like this. Regionally, you have your different sauces you may apply to chicken, but nationally, the probably the condiment outside of buffalo is gonna be hot sauce. Hot sauce. And those are my two favorite, buffalo and hot. I love them both. With with chicken, oh my god. All right. Hey, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn app, War on Anchor, what kicks you over to Spotify and YouTube. We are everywhere, folks. So download, subscribe, rate, share, all that good stuff. At Demons One on Twitter, at That's Davis, at Ryan B. Ski, at Pay the Guy. Look, we definitely want to thank Mark Grody, Chicago Bears satellite reporter, and you can always hear him on 670 Score uh, for joining us breaking down the Bears. And also, Barry M. Bloom 
for joining us from Forbes, giving us national baseball and plus a little insight on both sides of town with the trade deadline uh, coming about today. So definitely appreciate those guys for joining us. Make sure you check out Dan Davis' show. Uh, we got a little special show. Got to, got to push it back when we're recording it. So we get, it's still going to be the same time you get it. Well, it depends on how Ryan does it. But uh, we got a special uh, little, still spicy, entertaining, hopefully. Dan Davis, uh, the flip, rather, coming up. And then next week, We'll be here to give you your sports, your sports take or whatever. Hopefully, not too distant in the near future, we'll probably be back on the score. Please continue to listen to us. We we appreciate it if we don't say it enough. We appreciate it. We know you don't have to spend your time listening to us. So anybody that takes time from their day listening to us at all is definitely a, a great and appreciative thing that we Thank you, thank love. you, thank you. Uh, look, don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again. Keep being yourself. <laughs>